0: Greetings. We recorded this podcast with Adam Giles in uh, early 2019, so, yeah, it's been a while. After listening to it again recently, we decided to re-release it. Some people may have missed it back then, partially because the podcast had a different name, but also... um, Since then, one reason I wanted to re-release it is that we made it, Michael actually made an interesting prediction, uh, or perhaps more accurately, an extrapolation that has some bearing on the events of uh, 2020 and uh, even into 2021. So it's worth revisiting just for that. Um, and I, I think also I noticed a number of things, uh, when I did listen to it recently, um, that didn't jump out at me, uh, during, you know, when we initially had the conversation, um, and then posted it and talked about it a little. So, and there's a, uh, Adam, AKA Gilesy, um, he, he had a, a, uh, uh, well-established career in tech left that after um, you know having some sort of transformative experiences in a gym and he wanted to apprentice there, learn what was going on. eventually became a coach. and after a relatively short term uh, doing that he he kind of burned out on it and we discuss that whole process um, in the podcast and then um, after, uh, sort of flaming out, he went back to tech where he uh, he, he works still to this day. And uh, there's a pretty funny anecdote in the podcast, which I think, you know, merits some attention. Uh, he, he, he describes at one point working um, uh, at Nokia and helping to launch the 6680 phone that had a two megapixel, a whopping two megapixel camera. Um, and, it, and it's like a trip back in time to an era when um, some of the engineers that were working on that project um, were actually convinced that touchscreens would never be a thing. God, I wish they had been right. Anyway, um, dive in, listen to some of the philosophy of, uh, of fitness, of our practice, the things that uh, Jalzy learned, you know, along the way. And uh, do enjoy. Thank you.
1: Need me. If I start with three people, tipping
0: them not left? And when I get nervous, I walk. And usually I speak too quickly. So if you don't understand anything, just keep to yourself and pretend you did.
2: I'd be very, very careful when I mean, you talk to you about that because the person who wrote that
1: is dangerous. <laughs> And that noise indicates that we're here in the podcast studio. You know, I think we're the only ones who can actually hear that noise. Actually, I think you're right. There was a beep. (laughs) There was a beep. (laughs) That noise, I mean that intro, whatever the fuck happens. I don't know. Well, welcome anyway. Whether you hear a noise or not, you now hear us, which is an indication that it has started. I'm here with Mark. I'm Michael Blevins. I am joined, we are joined here by a friend of mine, Adam Giles. Um, effectively known as Gilesy. I don't even think I knew your first name no. for the first year.
3: Yeah, a lot of people don't. I just like, call you Gilesy. Yeah, it's a nickname. It keeps, every time I ditch it, it yeah. comes back like someone in Britain basically to get a nickname all you do is put a y on the end of someone's surname and that's basically your nickname for pretty much your entire life we're uh, we're a really artistic adventurous bunch we I, I was going to say
0: people are far more imaginative here in the <laughs> yeah. colonies
3: there i mean you do get some people like you have there are I, i'm doing us an injustice there are some amazing nicknames that i've heard come out of the uk but typically if you kind of don't have an affectionate one, you can like, I'll like, oh, we'll just put a Y on the end of your name and that's, that's you done. <laughs> put a Y on the end of your name. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really simple. But um, so yeah, I kind of got that through sports teams growing up and then through work. And then I joined a gym and where we met and kind of they did the same thing. I've enjoyed the
1: whole past week because I think it took me like <laughs> six weeks to understand like that it was Gilesy. I was just like mumbling something. Yeah. It's like, I don't know, some name with marbles in your mouth. Yeah, And then, and then I get that pleasure of introducing you to my friends, Like, oh this is my friend Gilesy and they're excuse me, what? Yeah. Like and you're like, it's Adam. And you're yeah. like, Why the fuck would Michael do that? He's fucking with us. But really,
3: no, I'm it's just, Americans typically not sort not to rag on you, but like don't don't get the Gilesy thing that's so like uh, hang on, what what is that name? Uh British people pick it up really quickly, but like Americans, I've always been like, for, it's, it's Adam, let's go with Adam. It's way they're easier. They're looking for
1: like the Greek root of like where, <laughs> yeah. where the name comes yeah. from. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Don't realise it's
3: as simple as Giles with a wild the end
1: of it fair enough so uh, this is this is really good because you had a podcast a fitness podcast that I was on when you were uh, yeah at the at the gym that I met you at in
3: Perpetua. What was,
0: what was the name? So it was that Perpetua but was it the Perpetua podcast? I was called it
3: was... the Live Unbroken podcast cuz yeah. Perpetua means unbroken in Latin. Um it was all about un- like unbroken continuous circle like obviously that had a connotation to CrossFit being uh, sure stuff is supposed to be unbroken. <laughs> um which is I thought it was as RX. Well, yeah. yeah. I think that's humorous <laughs> because essentially
1: CrossFit will break you eventually. Yeah, which I
3: learned As all CrossFitters do after a couple of years, you're kind of like, oh, right, now I am broken. (laughs) A a, a sport of
1: shoulder injuries, apparently. I've got two. Is that what happened for you? Is the
0: shoulders? Uh, yeah. I mean, they're, they're I mean, kind if it, of. if it only happened after a couple of years, that's you actually lasted longer than yeah. most. <laughs> yeah,
3: I put myself. I I beat myself. I've I've learned that I'm fairly resilient. I think growing up playing like rugby and ice hockey, like lots of compact sport, compact yeah. sport. Sorry. Um, I think my body's been more resilient. I hit like mid thirties, and then everything started going a bit south in terms of like, oh right, this hurts and that hurts, and all the injuries that I'd managed to like recover from actually didn't recover from and they kind of came back stronger (laughs) just you wait (laughs) as he
1: says in in a shoulder sling yeah Yeah. (laughs) it's it's fairly uh,
0: doomsday-ish yeah this was not this was not a result of me putting my putting my you know putting any weight overhead no Uh, weight (laughs) on top of maybe i well i mean the i think actually so after the The first injury, 93, first, and I didn't have the surgery. I basically did the the hardest climbs of my career with With this shoulder. And then in 2006, um, ruptured the biceps tendon, which was the only thing holding my shoulder together essentially, which was awesome because as soon as it like busted and like balled up or down around my elbow, all the pain in my shoulder went away. (laughs) <laughs> i was just like momentarily. i was like oh my god it doesn't fucking hurt that doesn't really work either but yeah. it just doesn't hurt and then so I that, oh no my arms it, hang on it,
3: yeah stick it <laughs> back is, on this is a
2: lose, it's lose
0: situation there. and so it's october 2006 i had the surgery and then uh april 2008 i crashed at the tour of the depot and oh kind of fucked it up a little bit oh. and did my ac joint also Really? Went back to my surgeon. He said, "Ah, oh, the AC joint. It's only like a grade two, and we don't normally repair those anyway, unless it's really bad." So, um, yeah, get back out there, kid. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> um, like, not even a cortisone yeah. injection yeah. for my fucking pain. You know, like uh, anyway. So walk it off. Big, be fine. Exa- exactly, exactly. Here, have a hit of this uh, sugary carbonated beverage or whatever. Anyway, um, <clears throat> that lasted about twelve years. Um but it was slowly degrading like it was mm-hmm. still it was starting to affect my sleep a little bit and then I had a you know being an aged individual <laughs> I had a little slip and fall which <laughs> which happens apparently as yeah. you get older um <laughs> oftentimes you know you you end up drowning in the bathtub when that happens,
1: but I was actually <laughs>
2: oh, we're gonna uh, change uh, aged to yeah. uh
1: mature time deficient. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> I am now the time-crunched athlete because there ain't much left. Because <laughs> mortality is not on the right side. Because TikTok. Yeah, and I just um, I, uh, I, I, I mean it was a it was a totally stupid benign situation where feet came out from under me and you know I put my hand out and that popped it in July Oof. and I thought okay just a little strain whatever it'll get better and then by the by the by the time that I couldn't. That it was painful to put a 16-pound bicycle on the roof of my low car. I decided, all right, <laughs> this is not getting any better. It's got to, yeah. it's got to get fixed. Function. Yeah. So, um, so I guess it was putting weight overhead. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, that was actually just the messenger. It wasn't the. <laughs> I, I find mean, it often is that is the
3: messenger. You're like, oh no, this is not good. Yeah. It's a signal to yeah. stop.
0: Actually, maybe you're right. <laughs> uh, this Dude. is
1: uh, this is fairly cool because. Um, We talk a lot about you know kind of the gym business model and how it's essentially broken. Like it does not, it doesn't incentivize good people to stay in it. And from what I've noticed, uh, I mean, as as, gym owners uh, or 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 gym participants or people uh, who, I would just say in general, as people who want to uh, be a part of fitness, I'll even be an asshole and combine the fitness and health uh, spectrum, who want to. Uh, be influential in that space. That could mean anything. It could be a coach. It could just be, you know, a trainer, whatever. Somebody who has felt the benefits of the practice and wants to pass that on to other people. And also because that takes time, want to make some money doing it. The The industry doesn't support it very well. And this is one of the uh, the, the hardest topics to talk about because no one wants to ever come at it from the aspect of like, the unsuccessful person Mm. Um, but I am inherently super unsuccessful in trying to monetize what I actually love like I mean this podcast is a perfect example stuff that we love to do but we have to do other things in order to support it and I feel like fitness is almost the same yeah so I mean why this is cool that you're here um is because when I first met you, you were just starting this journey, yeah. right? Like you were just, I think you're on your apprenticeship under Oz. Yeah. And uh, you've been training, obviously, getting better at something. Do you, you want to walk us through like the first part of that? And then maybe I can interject uh, sure. with things, observations that I've had.
3: I mean, I, just before I do, it's also super cool because when we met, obviously... You were you're like way further down the kind of road that I was in terms of fitness journey and stuff. And the wrong road, just to well, be like I was. <laughs> I, I, the reason I say that is because CrossFit, you know, rather I don't want to rag on CrossFit because there's there's bits that I really like about it and there's mm-hmm. bits that I struggle with a little bit. But you were the one of the first so, people. It's like life, <laughs> yeah, very much like life. I think, yeah. Um, but that you know, I was I was like. Tightly bored in, drinking the Kool-Aid, like, you know, all the rest of it. And it was interesting talking to you and some other people as well, others around us at the time that kind of were talking about different things that other people were talking about. So it's really cool kind of as a 360 to be kind of here talking to you guys because obviously, you know, some of the things that we've talked about and, and some of the things that I've kind of followed, uh, you know, I listen to the podcast and some of the, th- the things you guys talk about have been things that have... Um, helped me down the road if you like kind of been signals and signposts so it's, it's kind of nice for me to be kind of sitting here talking to you even about you know my journey um just because of that so it's, it's really cool to be here from that point of view um in terms of where I got started I have always been into sport and fitness mm-hmm. that I kind of is it, like I'm atypical of the type of person that you speak to that decided to do one do CrossFit to end up coaching it mm-hmm. really into sport and fitness um I have been quite keen on understanding why. Like I read a Simon Sinek book that probably most people have heard of. Mm-hmm. Kind of start with why. Um, made me think about why I do things, and ultimately that is because I want to help myself and others be better than they were the day before. So like that. Trying, trying to—that's somewhat growth. Mm -hmm. Uh, Apologies, I know you have banned words. So if I stumble on any of them, please don't shame me too much. We actually don't have them anymore. We. Uh, Oh, you banned the banned words? Yeah, yeah. How meta?
1: (laughs) 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 We've come full circle, and now we embrace all words. Words, yes, because we have grown.
3: (gasps) We've evolved. (laughs) We've evolved (laughs) exactly. Um, so yeah, I kind of, I kind of stumbled through that and then i was like well i was doing a lot of training on my own i kind of got to the point where i really struggled to train with others i was like mm. um i didn't really know what stimuli i wanted to engage with so i just started doing a lot of like home bodybuilding and kind of like like push-ups pull-ups just ge- general fitness stuff and this is on the back of
0: participation in sport yeah so i played
3: which... i played hockey to uh, ice hockey was end up being my main sport. i played football rugby tennis like everything anything that was like competitive like tiddlywinks like like anything I could do that was like <laughs> competitive against someone else, and I'm I'm not I'm not a particularly gifted athlete. I'm, you know, go and work out in a CrossFit gym. I'd be average at like maybe dependent on it. Like I've been in a few competitive environments, team wise, and I've probably been the bottom third of that that team. Like I'm I'm not, by any stretch, I'm a- average, which is perfect for CrossFit. I'm mm-hmm. average at everything, <laughs> um, and I'll happily describe myself as such. But um, so, sport growing, up, I was just had a real tenacity. Like hockey, people liked me, and the coaches liked me and the team because I just chase the puck, be a real nuisance. I'm a physical guy. Like I get in people's face. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna aggravate you more than I have skill. So they were kind of like, right, you go up and just frustrate people, and then we'll put the <laughs> skill players on to kind of do the, do the, do the, the nice work to clean up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just get in the way. I'm like, okay, I can do that. Um, so then that kind of. So you imagine ice hockey in britain isn't that big so i was just gonna you know. everyone's like you played hockey growing up i'm like yeah I'm like, really? were you from really? <laughs> yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly but it's amazing you've
0: been in canada for so long and you have retained your accent <laughs>
3: yeah <exactly. laughs> barely everyone's like where are you from i've got a weird accent because i grew up with a lot of americans and canadians okay um and i'm really in like i have a very british but very northern american culture kind of clash <laughs> um so i have a bit of a weird accent as well so a lot of, even people back home are like, where are you from i'm like here <laughs> i grew up in surrey like oh, oh okay oh, yeah well, what happened did exactly you, did you get hit in the head yeah <laughs> pretty <laughs> much yeah hockey. right um so i kind of stopped that and then it was like what do i do now because it was either go pro or play what we call ed1 which is like a um one step above recreational hockey. It's like a lower league hockey in in, in, in the UK and I wasn't good enough to do that really because I decided uh, to be a goalkeeper getting hit in the head. Back to your point, like I decided to be a netminder at the age of 13 and my dad was like, oh, you dick. Uh. (laughs) Because you basically, like the amount of money in, in kit, like that, poor man sunk into my hockey career. Um, and, then, and then I tr- transitioned into inline and became a D-man again and kind of went back into that. So I kind of did that and bounced around different sports, played a bit of recreational soccer as well. And just kind of, you know, like, like my friends would be like, hey, do you want to do this? And I'm like, yeah, cool. And then just did what like training to support that. Like, um, uh, like I say, a bit of bodybuilding, functional, functional bodybuilding, if you like, kind of before that became a thing um, uh, and picked up, you know, i did everything like p 90 I was like yeah i'll have a go at that like that looks like fun like you know just kind of a and then go to the gym with my friends and then do stuff on my own um and then interestingly a friend of mine uh really good friend of mine I ended up living with he moved to canada for a bit um the two brothers um the older one moved to canada and came back and was like i found this thing called crossfit you should you, you'd love it it's right up your street i was like oh, okay we did a couple of wads and then he kind of moved back to Canada then came back and I kind of that was about five then five years went past and then I kind of moved to London was like oh I quite want to give this CrossFit thing a go and um a friend of mine at work her husband set up a CrossFit gym called Perpetua with Mm -hmm. a guy called Michael Price um he introduced me to Aussie um and then kind of the rest was history I kind of got in the CrossFit bandwagon and kind of didn't really look back
1: so you had like a taste of it and then this like void where you went back just to do normal stuff and then essentially like like with most people's experience that are eventually drawn to this kind of thing it seems like it's a continuous you know touch and go pattern with like physical things are always there but Mm. nothing really sticks and it's hard with team sports because your experience is dependent on the group having the experience i mean even like something as stupid as spike ball that we actually both have an affinity for
3: Yeah. Again, getting, totally average at spike ball. Totally, but, I'm, I'm sure. Average. The Oz whole way was through. a freak. Yeah. Uh,
1: but getting four people in a room just to have this experience is a fairly fucking hard thing to do. And I'm sure you, when you're when you're starting out as a climber, it's very very similar. Like getting somebody to take you out with them to have the experience where you have a partner is also kind of hard to do.
0: Oh, you have to lie. Sure. Yeah. You have to tell them you've, you're way more experienced than you are,
1: or they won't take you. Oh, which is exactly. The and that's only thing. And that's only one <laughs> no. other person. So you look at a team yeah. experience, and you're like, I don't know how many people are on a hockey team.
3: Um, it varies, but you you normally got like three lines of five, two net minders. Yeah. Okay. Then, so you need
1: like 30 people. Yeah. To have this experience, I'm like, I can't even get four people in a room to play spike ball. How the fuck am I gonna get a hockey game going? Yeah. So uh, when I see it, like those experiences are contingent on getting a group together. And then, fi- and you almost disassociate from the physical experience because then the social experience is overwhelming. Like, you know, there's the before and after and the during and you can talk about it with your, your friends. And then by the time you find actually the aspects of physical fitness, it's usually something like bodybuilding, um, which is a, a fairly solo sport. Um, it's, I use the term sport loosely because I think if you're a competitive ball, I, if you're a competitive bodybuilder, I think of it as like muscle pageantry which I think some people get really offended by but that's
0: well it's just they don't know the meaning of the word pageant
1: sure okay <laughs> well, I mean getting painted orange and putting Vaseline there's not many differences between a beauty pageant and a muzzle
3: pageant yeah I mean I, I like I expect uh, respect any d- discipline someone's yeah. willing to put themselves through so I think it's cool but yeah mm-hmm. I think it's, uh, people always get touchy when you talk about their sport in a way that they don't appreciate or they don't or, or, sit, or sit the, in. in a way that
0: that's different than the way they talk about it yeah right. yeah and, and anything that could be perceived as you know sort of speaking down to that sport or, yeah. or judgmental in some way even if it's not it's just like oh no my my description of this sport or discussion about this sport is based on my fundamental misunderstanding yeah um it's it's not a it's just
1: it's
3: just
0: ignorance it's not
1: malicious in any way let's yeah
0: and please help me yeah, right, sure. like
1: powerlifting is essentially pie eating. So the, <laughs> the 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 kind of the funny thing is like by the time we get an actual effort experience like something like cross but it could be anything. It could be running, it could be anything that's hard that we experience by ourselves and see the value of that hard effort is usually at a time when we need it most and that that's kind of the uh I think the really phenomenon that's around this thing is that nobody wants to talk about the effort. They're just kind of like an abstraction of exercise and health. And that's a really th- hard thing to for people to describe the importance of because now I have this ability to experience this effort on my own and that's powerful yeah. and it drags you in. Like when the first time I felt that I was doing something very similar, I was doing martial arts, Muay Thai and jujitsu and you know, I was only going to the gym to work on the vanity portion of it because I trained really hard in the actual sports. I go train twice a day, wake up early in the morning, go do Muay Thai, come back at night, do Muay Thai and then Jiu Jitsu. And in the afternoon i would try to make it to the gym and i do bodybuilding stuff. But that, I never got the association from the two. I was just like, oh, I wanna, look, I wanna look intimidating when I go to do the sport. And that was the only purpose to do it. And then by the time I felt the effort involved in something like, it was very crossfit ish the first thing that i did i was like a light went off and i was like oh i don't need a partner mm. like i don't need the sparring partner to enforce the effort on me where i need to fight i can actually just set up circumstances where i can do this very hard thing and deal with it on my own so i eliminated the need for other people and that was the powerful mechanism for me i still wanted people to come do it with me for sure like partners doing it but i could always just go to the gym and try to like experience this hard thing yeah. and of course it sucks you in and you go overboard, right? Yeah. Like everything is the hardest. Well, like longest. every drug. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was and to see
0: if it gets you high
1: enough, <laughs> <laughs> and it certainly does. I, and then I don't know when it came about for me because I, I made a decision really early on. Like I am not a personal trainer. Like I don't want anything to do with the fitness industry. Uh, it's is, <clears throat> far as I could tell, it was fucking terrible. Like in my experience, wasn't necessarily with CrossFit gyms, but just looking at personal trainers at like Gold's Gym and people that worked in nutrition shops, I'm like, those guys are fucking... I don't want anything to do with those kind of people. They just seem kind of empty and shallow and kind of miserable to me. And I'm talking about Gold's Gym specifically, like their training system, I mean, whatever, their personal training hierarchy or however it works, I don't know, whatever their system was, didn't look appealing, so I always marked that off. And instead, it was just a practice for myself and my friends, and then I started, you know, I made enough changes myself. I started seeing, like, my friends wanted to come with, like, I oh, will show me how that thing that you did. So I would have to learn how to teach them, but I was still specifically not training people. I was yeah. just, hey, share well, this experience. Well, that's what you had to tell the people at Golds, because otherwise, <laughs> you need to have insurance and some kind of certification, <laughs> some and, kind of bonding. And, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, I, and I maybe that's what I recognized so much in you when you were starting your apprenticeship. It was almost like that moment when I finally admitted, admitted that, oh yeah, I'm going to train people. And in order to do that, I need to go. I need some help. I need to be an apprentice. I need to, whatever. And so, seeing that right off the bat, you're very influential at that point. Yeah. Right. Um. Sorry, influential is the wrong one. You are.
0: Influencible. Influencible.
1: Easily influenced. Impressionable. 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 There we go. Yeah. Nice. (laughs) Um. And and I always. uh, That's my favorite. I don't know. That's my favorite time to see somebody, and they're like, so curious. Yeah. So like still enamored with everything like everything is still fun and you haven't been you haven't been tainted by the bullshit (laughs) side of it right yeah like the money thing hasn't gotten to the fact where like you know that has become a problem because you're still not making any doing the action you're just Mm. still happy to be a part of the 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 process and so when when we first started interacting i uh, like i always like to appreciate where people are at in their little time frame of coaching and you were at this very the precipice of what i think is the most impressionable and the most fun and the most honest because you yeah. get to pick which direction you go
3: well i think actually we met just before i started my apprenticeship like the first oh, okay. time yeah yeah because yeah. okay. you
1: came over the first year in 2015
3: yeah yeah which seems like like a lifetime ago now in a, yep. in a weird way um but yeah you came over and did a seminar mm-hmm. um like a short kind of half day f- thing yes yeah, before i left I think. yeah Um, and that was really interesting and it was before I kind of I was on that verge of Mm. do I want to do I really want to coach like I you know um, my background is from from a from a work perspective if you like is in telecommunications I've worked in the mobile industry for close to like 13 years now um and I was working for a smartphone manufacturer at the time um in product marketing and I was really getting into the I like I properly got the bug for the fitness thing um and talking to you, I was like, this is kind of cool. Oh, I'm going to come along and, you know, um, uh, for the seminar and, and see what, what was there. And I was, I was, like you say, really fresh, really kind of just all open ears, open eyes, trying to take as much as I could in, like, to the point where you're overloaded with information and you can't, like, you can't really process it. Mm. You're just, like, overstimulated. <laughs> uh, but it was really good. It was kind of like, uh, p- what part of the reason that I got so interested in it, because I kind of got to, towards the 30-year-old mark, and I was like... I really have to take care of my body. Because when I was younger, I didn't, I smoked drunk. Like the only reason I was in any decent shape was because the sport like kind of kept me on the straight and narrow, but I was like quite into going out and enjoying myself. And uh, <laughs> and uh, um, then decided to switch, replace that with, with smashing myself in the gym instead. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of what it did. Yeah. But um, yeah, when we kind of met, it was talking a bit more about... Um, the physical nature but also the kind of philosophy that goes along along with it which it was which was really interesting um to me anyway and i think that kind of started me kind of pushed me maybe push gave me a bit more of a push into the di- direction of yeah i want to i want to find out more i think it was more curious curiosity actually than hey i want to go and coach other human beings to do this it was more like i want to learn more about this and actually the best way of learning is to kind of just chuck myself into it mm-hmm. So that's kind of what I did. See, and you had like a fairly established career. Right? I yeah, I get like fairly established. I mean, yeah. I've I'm been fairly average at most things. I just like I'm, I'm okay at stuff. Like, sure. I, but yeah, I I spent a bit of time doing doing the phone thing, and yeah, like put quite a lot. Uh, yeah, fairly established is probably. I was quite a way down the apprenticeship road in, in, in phone technology and kind of grew up with it. I started in phones before touch before iPhones were a thing. I was oh, right. working at Nokia, like, which makes me feel somewhat like, when I talk to some of the people I work with now who are mm. quite young, I'm like, wow, you weren't even like- th- You
1: don't even know what a sidekick is. <laughs> yeah,
3: yeah, like I worked with some, like the first phone I launched was like a Nokia 6680. And the main thing about it was that it had a two megapixel camera and could make video calls. Like that was the first thing I t- oh, talked nice. about and now, It's crazy where we are in terms of phone tech. Wow. So that was like two years ago. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That was in 2000. (laughs) Would that be 2003 or 2004? Yeah, I was like 23. So yeah, 12, 12, 13 years ago. Jesus.
1: It really has come a far way. It's nuts. It's it's absurd (laughs) how far. Because what is the iPhone uh 10s half yeah. megapixel camera it's uh, 24 it's, or something
3: no i think it's less than that i think uh. they've got dual camera on it um i can't remember the specs off the top of my head but i think it's like a 12 and a something or another it's thing. something some, that outperforms the,
1: the the digital slr that i had when i had like the most advanced like the razor or yeah. whatever and i had this camera whatever that was it outperforms it by like tenfold
3: yeah it's it's nuts um oh, but the, just... the, the one of the interesting things is some of the things that i was talking about back then and mm-hmm. like now a thing so yeah. um, part of the, one of the things I started in the phone industry was I was actually, I became a trainer. So I trained salespeople on how to sell them and did some soft skills coaching stuff as well as some technical phone spec stuff and interesting talking to engineers. And they're like, oh, in five years, we're gonna be doing this. And in 10 years, we're gonna be doing this. And now we're like doing some of the things that we were like, we were spouting, which is really cool to kind of see people's theory. And then others, like I've genuinely, I probably shouldn't say this on, on a podcast, but I genuinely heard someone say once, a company I used to work at, ah, iPhone won't be a thing. Touch screens are not going to be that big a deal. Genuinely heard a, t- uh, a fairly senior person say that. And I was like, it's it's something I tell people now. It's, it blows my mind. At the time, yeah. I was like,
0: I'm not sure about that. I yeah. like- go to put gas in my car. I f- sometimes start like stabbing the <laughs> thing. And
1: I'm like, oh, right, over here, keyboard. Yeah. There yeah, if it doesn't have a touch screen, we're really strange. And this yeah. is so what, like, to imagine what it's like as a child. I know this is kind of like off subject, but imagine a child being born in an age where this is where they first learn to interact with the world is through this digital interface. And they're swiping things and have their hand gestures have everything to do, and they can almost pick up immediately. Yeah. Yet, you know, people at a certain age or demographic we'll never be able to bridge that gap. And there's this weird separation, you know, most of them, like everybody has watched their, you know, 60 or 70 plus year old parents try to interact on an iPhone is the most frustrating thing you've ever seen. But we've established certain... Which is exactly what happens when a 12 year old
0: looks at you interacting with your iPhone. Yes. Yeah. Well, well, that's I mean, what I was going to there's a difference. Yeah. The, 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 how far we are... As individuals, you know, along the mm-hmm. trajectory of, mm-hmm. you know, the relation, our relationship with technology, mm-hmm. it's, it's hilarious. No, no, you just give me that. I'll yeah. do it. You know, and, yeah. then, and then there's some little, you know, ragamuffin. You're like, ah, just give me that. I'll show oh. you how to do it. I think. How like, the fuck like, did yeah. you find that out? And
3: yeah. Like, well, I mean, computer games are like Fortnite. This whole Fortnite yeah. thing that's blown up, which I've had to learn about because it's kind of fairly. It's it's now creeping into my industry. Oh, right. Um, in a big way, but um. Yeah, like it, I didn't really fully understand. I heard about it on the fringe, and then kind of had to learn a bit more about it. Yeah. And the young people—they uh, love a bit of Fortnite, and it's crazy how big it is. I like—I I was like, "Oh, I'm—I'm—I'm—I'm I'm, I'm, I'm a generation departed from mm-hmm. from young people all of a sudden."
1: Yeah, I mean, I miss the in, Snapchat in less than thing. a generation's time. Yeah, it's
0: like, and I think that's the interesting thing. Mm-hmm. It's just—it's just like okay, the 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 separation between our you know, technological uh, affinity for things is it, it, maybe there's only five years difference between it or 10 years difference, but not an entire generation. Mm. But the gulf in terms of the um, facility with technology is is as if it was a generation
1: past. Yeah. Well, and I don't think we've seen the, uh, to bring this kind of back to where, well, why I think that technology thing is important. In in this story that I say, this, I could be totally off on this just to admit, and you can correct me anytime you think. I'm like, now nah, you've drawn a bridge where it doesn't exist. But <laughs> sure. I, I really think like, if you're enamored in this world where like technology and the way people interact with their like reality is absolutely shifting and there's a generational gap, that's how big it is how we interacted with our world, learning certain things was was a physical world. Mm-hmm. Like we learned to interact by climbing trees, literally, and throwing water balloons at cars. And like, they, I mean, that, that, was a re- <laughs> that was really how we learned to interact with the world. And now yeah. that I see it, like there is no physical sense for the generation that has only participated in this um, digital Uh, interaction like when I see London interact digitally yeah she will be better than I ever can be but she'll also lose that sense like she doesn't climb trees she doesn't do certain things she's she can play physically but not in the same way that we played yeah for sure I was sledding off of rooftops and doing like stuff that is so absurd and dangerous but also really taught me how I interact with my real world and for me maybe you know that that's kind of thing we always talk about is we see the world going towards this only this one facet of how you interact with the world and there's a draw for some people maybe our generation will be the last one that really feels that draw to keep the last on the gen- physical Your, yours is the last generation that ever had to run from
3: the cops <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. like yeah.
0: from now on it's just like oh we know
3: exactly where they are yeah, yeah they, the and ip and address yeah there. <laughs> well I, I, I actually one of the reasons i Care so much about the tech industry and stayed in, in it and kind of went back to it was because I feel the, I feel a sense of um, responsibility to be that conduit between mm-hmm. like the the age groups because I think, I mean we were talking about it there are certain physical practices that are coming back like board games, mm-hmm. um, our generation getting back into board games and things like that where they want physical and human connection because you don't really gather on a daily basis or mm-hmm. certainly as much it's a lot easier not to have have a I know you've kind of been talking about analog and Mm -hmm. it's easy not to have like an organic analog experience with human beings. Mm -hmm. So I kind of feel that sense of like, I actually think we're going down a completely different rabbit hole. I'm taking us down another rabbit hole here. But I think that as our society grows, we have a real responsibility to human, uh, uh, like the next generations of humans to um, educate them on how to use technology. And I think that's been done really poorly by people (laughs) creating it um thus far especially around like applications and Mm -hmm. i know you guys have talked about social media before but social media has been something that has been kind of gifted to the human race but not explained in terms of what it was meant for or how it should be used i I just think in the
1: most obvious sense like how many people how how many people's physical structure will change from the slight tilt of your neck always looking yeah like that I mean, it's obviously changed our our, our our body positions in the in the ability. As soon as you say that, everybody,
0: we're both yeah. like everybody yeah. straightens up when Straighten they do. It. Oh, I got to pull the microphone a little closer. Yeah, <laughs> lean but, into it.
1: But even like sitting at a chair, like that has completely changed how the animal of being a human is. Like we have it's detrimental like mm. there's there's health consequences for that and i don't think people realize just the mo- the easiest one is like oh i don't hold the phone up to me i look down at the phone yeah. and that's going to change how we become efficient let alone the the other parts where we're like oh when i'm on my phone and this is easy for anybody to see you go to a restaurant now and you have to actively work to not look at your phone even if you're like oh no i appreciate the social part and i want to be present I still have this like weird magnetic sense that if my phone vibrates, I'm like, oh, I need to look at it. Yeah. No, I don't. Like I'm interacting with humans already. I'm busy. Yeah. And that's that interaction. Ooh, we're not going to see that. Yeah, <laughs> we're, we're not going to see the, the, uh, the dire consequences of that behavior for like another 10 years. Yeah. And when we see it, we'll be like, oh, shit like no, guess i guess d- we fucked that up yeah we
3: totally <laughs> fucked that up yeah well i don't know if i'm more scared or intrigued <laughs> sure. on that like yeah. i'm really interested to see how much you know people have been talking about the shapes of our hands mm-hmm. or the posture of humans i mean i s- live in london and i get the tube to work every day and like some of the pe- positions people put themselves into <laughs> like play their nintendo switch or like read something on their phone is genuinely staggering i mean that's when you know connect this back to what we were talking about previously when i the coach in me or the, the someone who's worked in the you know in in the fitness world like no understanding the little I do of posture and mm-hmm. and stability of joints and things like that like looking at the way people stand and just oh i almost want to go over to people and be like look stand up straight hold this in front of your face like you <laughs> yeah. you'll, you'll thank me in 10 years time when you're like not having to have your neck sorted out
0: i mean but if you like michael when you were
3: describing it you know that
0: we You know, head bowed to the phone, or tilted down to the phone, (laughs) versus holding it up to you. Like there's a thing. We are bowing to technology. We are like here. We are head down, hunched over, like basically in you know supplicants (laughs) to you know technology. Whereas you know, and the and the postural demonstration of like holding this up to me as an upright human being, holding it up to my eyes. I mean that's kind of defiance in the face of technology in a way yeah. it's just like this yeah. is and if you and just like michael when you said that i'm like oh my god this is this is the relationship now with mm-hmm. technology it's not like i have this thing and it, and and i'm utilizing it as a as as assistance as an you know as, in a way to take me on this trajectory that's physical and the you know relationship with the world mm-hmm. that, that i already have i have just given everything and focused, you know just like taken all of that sort of 180 degree view that I can see in my peripheral vision at any time and put it down to like an 18 degree Mm -hmm. fucking focus level on this little tiny screen, which has me hunched over and basically You know, if somebody was to look at me from the back, they'd be like, man, that is one depressed, broken fucking person. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Well, I mean, we're in the age of acceleration, anything. So any input we have will accelerate in that trajectory. And if you think about it from that aspect, like I I like the, I like the imagery of bowing because we are giving it up to a technological God. But also in, in, and I'm not sure the exact dates, but there's something like between the species of upright hominids like we'll say Atholopithecus which is like 200,000 years ago there's maybe like 1.2 million years from you know our ancestry of when we became upright hominids so it took us close to let's say one and a half million years to stand upright and we will undo that in a generation like we will <laughs> we, we will be crawling on the ground yep. soon because it's not I, I mean it's just baffling to me yeah
3: which I is see. I again why I think that the the fitness thing again had a draw for me because I mm. kind of saw some of the stuff coming and I'm like, we as humans really need to think about our physical, like I and kind of got to the stage where I realized that the only thing that really matters is the vessel that carries your consciousness around. Sorry to get kind of a little mm. bit deep yes. in, but that that hit me like a ton of bricks. And I was like, I need, to, I need to really maintain my body and I need to, you know, I think it's weird. And I had this a lot of, when I coached talking about money for that for coaching people have a real hard time paying to maintain their physical state mm. like oh but I have bills to pay I've got a car to pay- run I've got like a flat tub it's like but none of that matters if you can't you can't <laughs> yeah, like yeah, yeah. get in it walk to it or yeah. whatever so having that conversation Making with
0: payments on the car that I can no longer drive
3: <laughs> yeah yeah like I can't even open the door because you're so broken I, and that's a real thing that happens and talking to people where they're like i don't i don't want to i don't want to pay for this and you're kind of like well you're, you're gonna, gonna pay for it eventually
0: yes exactly like sooner or yeah. later you're gonna you know every everything costs something everyone pays and it's just that what you see this immediate cost as being mm. too high because you are unable to see the eventual cost yeah which will really be too high yeah i was
1: gonna say most poor health choices have compounding interest like they, you're not getting off that easy. It's not a one for one. Yeah, and and I also I, to to excuse the hesitation towards paying because I I think this is a real thing worth discussing. Is like a the the charlatanism that is available in the fitness industry is second to only the MLM industry or like mm. whatever. Which
3: I only really no- noticed once I yeah. was in it. Like sure, I didn't I didn't really get any of that when I was on the fringe or kind of looking at stuff. I didn't really. You know, it's weird how it didn't really register to me. Is, mm-hmm. And then I talk to people that kind of just, you know, do a bit of fitness now, and they, they again kind of like buy into a lot of stuff and mm-hmm. like, oh, no, that seems really cool. And you're like, no.
1: Yeah, that, there's a disinterest in it, I think, on one regard, because people usually have had a bad experience. Yeah. And they let that bad experience frame their knowledge of a, of a, um, situation or or, or knowledge of a subject altogether like oh well somebody told me that they could take me through a transformation and then i did this like really hard really like i mean drudgery style of uh living you know diet kale and dust and the exercise i wake up at (laughs) four in the morning and do spin class or whatever the thing was and i was not the person that i was thinking that I would be based on the advertisements for health and fitness industry. Like Mm. where's that guy in the linen white pants on the beach? It's obviously Lee Phillips uh, modeling it, but (laughs) like why he looks so happy and his hair is always coiffed perfectly. And like, uh, and I use him as an example because he is like uh, the guys, an insanely like he's a phenom out of nowhere but yeah. he represents and he is a fitness model and he represents what most people think they can get if they look like that and there's a bridge to be gapped right there yeah uh, gap to be bridged I mean I I, like some way. people
3: say because he's he's a bit more mature than i am shall i say in sure. terms of years mm-hmm. and people say i wish i looked like him when i'm his age i'm like i wish i looked like him now exactly th- <laughs> there's a really famous <laughs> like, <there's- laughs> he's he's in sick shape and yeah. he's like you know 40 45 not 43. quite old. i think it's like 42. okay uh, yeah, so, sorry, 40s, if you. Yeah.
1: if you tune in, like Nine, outing, outing him. 19 covers of men's health. Something like that. It's firefighter crazy. professionally, like male model. Like, and absolutely like I mean, he's the fittest firefighter in the world. Three yeah. years in a run, they have this competition in Britain and in the World Series or whatever. Yeah, he is the embodiment of every and then whenever you see him, he has like a fucking beautiful watch on, and he's like a gentleman dressed. And personally, he's very nice to deal with. So when I look at him, I use him as the example because I think he is the biggest anomaly I've ever seen. He's Welsh and he's tan. He's like <laughs> jacked, but he can drink beer. Like he's like, yeah. he's like, a, oh, go fuck yourself. That guy shouldn't exist. Yeah. But that's what people think that they're gonna get if they go through a really hard if they go to the weeks. gym one hour a day, <laughs> three times a week. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And he's been living it for a lifetime. So it, it, it seems like it's just a lifestyle for him, but he's been doing it for so long that it makes sense. Like he's been doing it his whole life. There's yeah. never been anything different. But people get under the impression like, oh, look how, happy he is in that advertisement he looks like he's enjoying the shit out of life like he's just you know south africa and over here and on the beach and jumping and you know winning competitions and his you know his his fiance or whatever is beautiful and they're like this happy couple oh well he works out i'm going to work out and then i'll have those things and people have to stop and be like that's a bad correlation Mm -hmm. most people that take up fitness it's going to be, especially if you ignored it your whole life, you are going to have a miserable time. You'll be at the opposite state of that. You're miserable. You're hungry. Yeah. You don't feel good. You're not as tan as you want to be, whatever the thing yeah, is. Yeah. And I think like trying to dissuade people from their first experience of thinking that they were going to get the thing that they didn't. It has nothing to do with happiness. It has nothing to do with fulfillment. Um, and explaining to them the real uses of fitness, like, you know, I, I can stand longer. Mm-hmm. I can um, I can run around when I want to. I can go on hikes with my friends. I can enjoy things that normally I'd be suffering through. Like if you ever go on a hike with a, fr- a friend that's like out of shape and in the first five minutes they're dying yeah. and they're so embarrassed by it that they don't want to show it. So they try to hide their breath. And then because they hide their breath, they're not breathing. So they get even into a worse spot. That... <laughs> That analogy is how I feel most people look at fitness. Uh, And I'm kind of like going off on a million different directions here. But the the idea is that um, when we first notice what we can help people with, and then we try to turn that into a profession, most people, uh, we have a hard time communicating what it is we're actually selling them. It's not a six-pack. It's not uh, eternal happiness on a beach. It is this idea that if i have this one property it makes my uh world a little bit more accessible yeah that's hard to sell to people because they're like wait i'm not going to look like that male model and you're like no not even close you're like well so i don't immediately like go on the beach and everybody takes pictures of me no like no one will notice you you will be totally average looking
3: i think that's one of the (laughs) things that i noticed about coaching was that and I, I've seen a few coaches say, oh, you know, you end up being pop psychotherapist. Mm. And you're like, that's broadly, mainly what you part are. Part? Mainly? Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. You, part,
0: you mean the big part? The 90% yeah. part? <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of people get into it because
3: they think, oh, I want to help people, like, be healthier or get stronger or look better. And it's like, well, no, really, you're helping people kind of understand them. Which and is you're really helping, difficult.
0: Ideally, you're helping them unfuck their heads. Yeah. Which is why. I mean, and
3: it's been mentioned, you
0: know, on this a number of, on the podcast a couple of times, is like I always considered our job, especially in the movie business, as being exercise psychologists, not mm. exercise physiologists, because the physical part is just like, that. it's so easy if you can get the person to the point of like, uh, really... Or let's say genuinely and hungrily doing the physical stuff. Yeah. But to but to go from where they are when you first see them, I think to get them to that point of, like, yes, it's worth it. Yes, I want to do this. Yes, I want to feel this way, or I don't mind feeling this way because I have seen that there is a, you know, a, a, a benefit that I appreciate that comes with it. Yeah. And and on and it's um, it, it's why, like you see guys who are. Who've managed themselves quite well physically, um, and then th- th- that same guy has a lot of trouble leading someone else to the same conclusion because they never made the junction between, you know. Okay, the sorry, we could joke all we want about the mind is primary, but yeah, it does it does come for it. You have to fix that first, and then the other stuff is yeah comes comes in the wake of it. But and the trick is to like. Fix the mind by way of the physical activity like yeah as 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 a consequence of the physical- physical activity and it's and and you and you know if 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 somebody's you know comes in with the like they would to the hairdressing salon mm-hmm. for example with a picture of what they want to look like, just like god damn i mean i I was reading this there, there's a some on the b b c news website recently about um the dangers of the existence of photoshop for you know people oh, right. mm-hmm. you know body image and stuff like that and okay it's wrong you're never going to look like the person in the photo you know if that photo's been manipulated my point I was like no you're never going to look like the picture the person in the photo Yeah. no matter what Mm -hmm. it's been manipulated it hasn't been manipulated if you are feel like you're being sold a bill of goods by the image because there has been some manipulation well it's not just that it's that you're you know susceptible (laughs) to you know images from the outside and no no matter what you, you know you're you're never gonna um look like that thing that you're chasing yeah which i in think in some way which is precisely why you're chasing it yeah in, absolutely
3: which is really difficult because i think even when you know that you still fall into that trap oh absolutely so i i mean i i'm it's something that i've been aware of and i'm you know you kind of end up doing the self-talk of like well i just want to i just want to I'm doing this for me and I want to look or feel as well as I can and then you still kind of look at someone and you're like that guy or girl looks in sick shape right I want to train really hard and you're like I, I know I'm doing myself an injustice here and I think that one of the challenges is that a lot of people aren't honest about that yes even in in the industry people aren't honest about what motivates them and that causes so many. I, I just—it was one of the reasons I actually decided to leave. And I think this is kind of one of the reasons you brought the topic up was kind of my journey, kind of in and out. And it was only like a two and a two and a half year journey. Mm-hmm. But I took on a lot of people's um, energy. Like I'm very susceptible <laughs> to others' energy, and I took on a lot of like the positive, which is which I loved. But I took on a lot of the negative, which I really struggled with because I couldn't I couldn't I couldn't extinguish it. I couldn't evaporate it. Um, so i end up taking on a lot of this stuff and it's really difficult when you try and communicate and and it's 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 something that i took as a bit of a failing on my part was was finding the the language to use to communicate to people kind of to try and get them on that journey when because it's difficult like not everyone like some people you meet they you have the same common language, they're similar background to you, you kind of just click and you're like, oh, by the way, you kind of want to, have you thought about this? Like you start asking the right questions, they give you the right answers and you're like, cool. And then you get those that you're complete opposite to, or you're completely different to. You start asking the questions and they're like, I don't, why would you ask me that? What, like, what are you, and you're like, oh God, this is going to be, and I found that really, I found that really like debilitating was not being able to engage and have the right conversation with people. I found that really hard.
1: That That's where I think um, when we talk about this, we, we talk about it kind of like, uh, it sounds like it's in the negative sense, but we talk about the ability to become kind of a sociopath because of that exact thing, because I can't just be me. I rub people the wrong way when I'm just me. And when I really want to affect change, I have to be the person. Like the message is really important, not as important as the messenger mm-hmm. in most cases. So Fitting in and out of who you are to a person is really important. And, and the energy thing is real. Like um, th- this was unexplained um, when we're talking about like early training, like Ross wants me to come, you know, teach class at, like six in the morning and, and train people because that's really convenient for him. And I tell him like often like, ah, that, uh, that'll ruin my whole day. Like I wake up at a certain time and if I, if I come teach a class just one with three people in it, that's so much energy for me that the rest of the day I am like drained. Mm. That means I get nothing done. So generally speaking, I only train clients after a certain time so I can for sure get other things in my day done. And that that works out to hurt people in this industry that wanna make money as a coach because the only time to really affect change is when people are available. So you're talking six, seven, nine for the moms, noon for the trust funders, <laughs> and then the five, six, seven at night. And so, yeah. if you really are coaching throughout the day and you're a professional coach, uh, you will burn, if you if you run that schedule yourself, first of all, I, I think you know this, that's impossible. Yeah. And most people are like, well, that's only, you know, seven sessions, that's seven hours, that can't be that much energy. Yeah, I energy. do 12, I do and 12 you know, like, at the office. Like. One hour of coaching a group is an exponent of all the people that are in there. And each person that, <laughs> for each negative person or person that doesn't react well, it is, you know, times 10 or times 20, whatever it is, is this energy draw. And yeah, every once in a while, you get really a refreshing person that you feel better after they've been there than when, mm. uh, but then without. Um, but for the most part, that's not true because people are there to fix problems. And so th- they're, they're they, in a they situation. They bring their problems into your ex- space. Ex- yeah. Exactly. And with, with that comes their problems. And most of the time, it's an, ep- like training is, um a metaphor for something else that they want to change, which you have no idea about. Nobody wants to mention because you're not technically a, you know, mm. a psychiatrist or somebody who would deal with real therapy. But that really is the thing. And if you get down to fundamental reasons on why people are there, it's generally speaking to make a change in their life because they don't know how else to affect change. They can't quit their job. They can't. Um, <laughs> they can't just. Swap out spouses or change their children or do the things that are really frustrating to them like you, they can't control those aspects So their only thing that they can do is like I'm gonna to try to change my body or my fitness levels or my hairstyle Or I'm gonna go shopping and buy all new kit. Yeah, or I'm gonna get you know different clothes or whatever Those are the things that people can affect change in but there's an underlining issue behind that, right? Like it's not just like this will be fun. I'm gonna go through, you know, extreme transformation because it's fun, it's like it's extremely painful, and it it doesn't feel good while you're doing it, but they wanna do it because they don't like other aspects. Yeah, Um, And and that's really hard to deal with. Like, you can't just outwardly ask when they come in, like, oh, I don't wanna look like this anymore. First, nobody's gonna admit that because that's supposed to like, oh, you have low self-esteem. But most people do not wanna look like how they look, period. Like, you Mm -hmm. take your clothes off, look in the mirror, are you happy with what you see? 99% of the people, I mean, the only person I know might be Lee Phillips, who's like, Yeah, I look fucking awesome, dude. (laughs) Fuck you. (laughs) I've looked like this since I was a kid. I've literally been a 43 year old awesome male. I'm like the James Bond of firefighting. Most people look in the mirror and they're like, I'm too fat, or I'm this, I'm too thin, or I'm too tall, or I'm too gangly, I have like weird proportions. And because we are a a vain society, that is very important to people. Mm -hmm. And so the first aspect of fitness is, yeah, we can try to get you to look better. That's how we sell it to people. But in reality, the underlining theme is you can get to know yourself better, which will allow you to accept yourself more often. Not all the time because that's impossible. But how do you like now we're talking a totally different business model because that value is easily expended, right? Like people would show up and you're like, "Oh, you're going to make me appreciate myself." That's priceless. Yeah. We just have to do it through so many layers of abstraction and metaphor and then it comes back to that. And that, yeah. that that's the that's the hardest thing in this industry because like we mentioned before, like in everything that you do, it has to be genuine if you're doing good things. That's really hard to do when we're holding up a lie. Like right are coming to our gym. We work muscles. You can look better. Like and the only reason you're there is because you saw that I trained this famous person and they looked like how you want to look because you're disappointed with your existence. But it's not even that. The, 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 <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> they they look how you
0: No, they have all the benefits that you think you can get if you look if one part of you looks a certain way. Mm. Like and, and I think there's the, the, the disconnect is that okay, we have to talk about muscle and mm-hmm. physical capacity because it's a fucking gym. Mm-hmm. In the, in the first place, which, so we are at first um, the, the ones who are confused. Like we have yeah. to learn that lesson ourselves first. Yeah. Yeah, 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 That it's not about the thing that, th- th- you know, that the means are irrelevant. It's just that these are the means that we use. Whereas if we had a martial arts school, we would, you know, it would be different. That would be the means. But ultimately, at least with, you know, a lot of martial arts, it, you know, it's, it's pretty upfront with No, this is, you know, this is self-knowledge. This Mm -hmm. is, you know, self-confidence. This is da-da-da. So at least that's somewhat on the surface Mm -hmm. um, with the, you know, strip mall, Kiai,
1: or whatever. Um, The deadly fighting art. (laughs) Speaking of Taekwondo, of course. Yeah. (laughs) Which is... Because I said
0: strip mall, you said Taekwondo. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) (laughs) um, But but I, I think you know it it took all of us a, a a few times around the block to realize like okay yes this what we what everyone is here for is some psychological change mm. and
1: i and, still have and, to drive around the block like a couple times a week to remember mm-hmm. that whole thing oh, for yeah. myself let alone the people that come in here to train
3: yeah yeah definitely i and, and the like the frustrating thing is that i really miss it Like Mm. I was like, I'm really glad that I kind of I did it and I'm done with it. But at the same time, really miss it. It's like a real conflict as well. And there's times where I'm because I train at a gym now and I'm just a just a member, just a goer. And And you have to keep your mouth shut. You see terrible things. (laughs) Like and then not terrible things, but just there was a you know I was in open gym the other day. There's a guy deadlifting and I was just like i just couldn't help myself i had to go and like just be like i don't just don't want you to blow your back out like just you know step away from the weight a little bit think about this just and uh, it's ingrained in me now like i can't kind of switch it off now i've it's like i took the red pill and now i can't unforget what i've seen a little bit but um yeah it's really i think the other thing that we we kind of haven't talked about we talked about a lot about the individual but then putting them in a group setting where they've Mm -hmm. got to then interact with others who are all kind of there for the same reasons but like trying to figure it out and and engage with each other and and at the same time like it's really it's a it's a funny thing to just sit back and watch sometimes like Mm -hmm. unplug and be like i'm just gonna watch this because i was when you're at a crossfit gym you're in it like everyone knows who you are you're kind of on you have a persona you have to be a person the 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 guy the guy you know Mm -hmm. had to be gilesy i couldn't be adam if you like like i had that alter ego kind of split you're talking about and now i'm kind of not, I'm less of an active participant in the community that I, of the gym I'm in. Uh, consciously, like I kind of do that because I'm. It's it's t- like it's hard to mm-hmm. be that engaged. I'm like I just want to turn up, do some fitness, say hello to people, be not, like pleasant. But I don't want to engage too too heavily. But it's interesting watching mm-hmm. you kind of like being at a new gym and watching people engage and be like, oh, ah, yeah. that's that guy or that's the that girl. Like you're playing that role in 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 this.
0: Or to watch, I mean it's to me it's fascinating to watch this the, the, like the group hierarchy form mm. and then how people behave based on how they perceive their position within the group. and it it's like okay I, I, I need to be sensitive to this because if I am and I see it, then maybe I can steer a little bit as a, tra- as a trainer. but it, it yeah the the, the group thing in, in some ways it's the it's the key to performing better I mean we saw it in here the other day during Rogers sort of 43rd birthday mm-hmm. celebration where, you know, and I had kind of forgotten about this. I mean, it, at least it wasn't in the forefront of my mind as, as much as it used to be it was, um, you know, when Rosa said, oh, I didn't, you know, I had to hold up my because I didn't want to let Aaron down. I was like, oh yeah, that mm-hmm. actually is, you know, there's a social influence yeah. on, you know,
1: physical expression of capacity but why don't we like why can't we do things and not let ourselves down like why does it take yeah why, why can't like why are we the, the same, same reason p- we speak in such horrible language to ourselves sure yeah well which is uh, what I've been kind of getting on about about the past like my personal development the past couple of months really is about being a little bit nicer to myself cuz i noticed like i had this this I only really,
3: laugh because I like identify quite a lot
1: with that. This, this sounds really like hippie-ish or people are like, oh man, Michael's fucking going to join some monastery and become a monk or something. But there really is this, uh, when I, I I noticed myself criticizing other people, mm. right? I mean, very critically, and it wasn't mean or malicious. It was just an observation of yeah. which I felt was really neutral, but that's on the side of, Bias of how critical I am of myself. Yeah. So if I make a comment about somebody, it sounds fucking mean and terrible, and it sounds like, dude, what do you come off like thinking about that? But when I make a comment about myself, I'm ten times worse. Yeah. I'm the I were I move so badly. I can't get anything right. I'm still out of shape. I'm still fat. I'm still not what I want to be. I'm still like this person that should be better than i am and that's terrible language to use with yourself even if it's honest or even if it's your first thought because we are not our thoughts and therefore anything that i say to somebody else in relation in in context of how i speak myself is actually nice it's Mm. genuinely improved from how i speak about myself and what i kind of have been coming to especially in this is like man, I really should be nicer to people because maybe that'll afford me opportunity to kind of, you know, change the language of how I re- reference myself or how I how I speak about myself. And maybe that'll make this process more enjoyable.
3: Yeah, I always, I, I used to use, well, I kind of still do, but the practice of trying, I always try and pick out the best quality of someone. Mm. And that would be what, someone'd be like, oh, that guy or that girl. Yeah. I'd be like, yeah, but they're really good at this. Or they're really, not, they're like, like so mm. great at that and just try and offset that. And I kind of did that weirdly like uh, as a natural practice, but yeah, I kind of, I, I really identify with the kind of the self stuff. It's it's hard to kind of give yourself that kind of positive speak, it, it becomes.
1: It feels ingenuine at first. Like it feels yeah. like this is false. This is not, and and I think that's true. If I was like, Michael, you fucking awesome today. Like you really did a good job. I'd be like, shut the fuck up. Like you're a fucking <laughs> loser. Like. I, but if I start it actually the opposite way by doing what you're talking about, point out something like, "Man, that's really cool that that person, you know, has been coming to this gym for so long and they try so hard, and you know, that, that's that's something not everybody does." Mm then the language might start instead of like man they did look like shit or they look like a fucking total asshole or you know cool film your thing for instagram you dumb <laughs> cunt like what well, <laughs> well I mean that's the language that goes through my head but if i if i modify it slightly then i do notice that when i start to do something i'm a little bit more forgiving of mistakes yeah like oh, i i just didn't train as hard or i quit today or i didn't do as well as i thought i would then maybe it, like hey but you showed up and you did this thing yeah and that positive feedback from myself will enable me to do better things. Now, all of that, whether it's important or not, is the real thing, like the real growth that happens, right? My bench press may or may not go up because of that thought process, but it will influence how I treat other people and the people that are closest to me. And that's really the power of somebody who can use language and physical, I don't know, obstacles to enforce this whole dichot this thought process this introspection well
3: ultimately that's coaching i mean it it kind of starts with you right like Mm -hmm. coaching yourself i think Mm -hmm. that's something that i've always tried to do (laughs) not always great but like you know i think like you say it's the intent behind it rather than uh, necessarily the the achievement if you can get the intent right then
1: yeah and this this dawned on me the other day having a conversation with somebody because um and I'll, i'll try to Leave all the personal stuff out of it because it it, it. it. I mean, it was the first time I realized it. Like it was like an epiphany that hit me, um, when somebody was talking about coaching and kind of like you know oh, I don't want to do that because, eh. and then I w- they would go train themselves instead, and they made a comment about like I was like oh well you know it's the same time it's this that the other, and they made the the comment that like oh yeah but training myself is for me, and my first reaction was like if you think training other people is for them, you're doing it wrong. Like if you're going in to coach somebody because you're God's gift to fucking physical movement, you have the wrong premise about what we're doing here. And this is one of the hardest things for me to charge people for is because I'm getting a benefit out of this, Mm. right? Like that's why we're so weird about how we offset payment to not make it a thing where you are paying for a certain thing, but I'm actually growing from this. This is a selfish act that i'm you know using you as a catalyst for myself yeah yeah i'm the expert you don't question me do everything that i say but internally i'm like how am i going to have to morph myself and change so that i can become the person that will influence this person that'll give me the you know the ticket to the next ride as it were um that that was a really hard thing to recognize and how many times have i thought that i'm you know god's gift to training yeah, this person comes in. They want to train with me. I'm this big deal. I'm going to show them how to do all these things correctly, and I'm the man. When in reality, I sh- like if I look at it, like this person is coming in. They're coming in for themselves, and I'm allowing them to be here for myself. And the payment is just a part of the transaction. Uh, what I'm really getting out of value is the ability to be introspective about how to interact with this person.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Ouch. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I I agree. I think that's like a big big point about it and you you learn through i mean the amount of times you coach someone and you basically make an entire session of mistakes mm. with that one person whether it be the cue that you give them or the type of language you use or even just get like the wrong kind of stimulus for the what that person needs but the data you get from it mm. if you're if you're paying attention i think that's the other thing i learned mm. like i had to really pay attention it wasn't like the days I felt most frustrated with myself were the days where I didn't pay attention to what was going on in the session and I was coasting through it because I was, you know, probably because I was burnt out or because mm-hmm. I had taken on something like some energy and I just wanted to get home and mm-hmm. like just recharge. But yeah, when it wasn't, when I wasn't present, like that was, you know, for them, obviously, mm-hmm. but for myself as well, like I was like, oh, you just, you missed the whole point of the exercise. Yeah.
1: You, you do see it like I, I, that's one of my favorite things to go and travel and drop into other gyms to see how they go about this process because mm. every once in a while and, and every process is good i mean i went up to uh one of my clients right now that we're doing a, a project for um he had this business partner that goes to the gym up north and he's like hey my friend wants me to come do this workout will you come school everybody i'm like i'll go with you like i'm not I'm not ever gonna go to somebody else's space <laughs> but i went up there and, and like super nice people, but what a complete fucking shit show. And the opposite is actually true. I actually do everything that they say and try to learn from somebody who is objectively a worse coach. Now, I'm not going to maybe pick up any great cues, but I will always learn a lesson of how not to be or things that I want to always avoid, Mm -hmm. environmental cues of like, even it's just technical stuff, like don't make people walk around with a heavy barbell back and forth across the room with like 40 people in the room like that's just a no-no and i didn't ever realize that was a thing that i should question but seeing it i now know it's definitely a rule in my book that i will not do so there's all these little things but i was trying to describe to my client like because uh, he was kind of shocked that i would go to another gym like it's really? so cool of you man you just go you have your own gym you can do your own thing you're the like master of your domain i was like to be honest, it's one of my favorite things to do.
3: Yeah, I really enjoy going to other gyms. I find that it's really like that, I, and actually, it's one of the things I really like about CrossFit. That you know, the whole drop-in principle. Yeah. Like, go and see what how others fitness, mm-hmm. like how you practice. It's quite nice. And I I use it as a measuring stick for other coaches.
1: Um, if they are unable to take somebody else's direction, it's a big sign for me that they 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 have hit like this really weird. Um, Place in coaching where what I call the blue belt syndrome, like you're just
3: good enough to get yourself into trouble, and then, dude, I say that about myself in everything. I'm like, I know enough stuff just to get myself in trouble. Pretty much every, like, I'll pick a book up, I'll read half of it, and then I'm like, right, I know enough now to have a conversation and basically get myself into a load of a world of pain. Yeah, but Uh, um uh, I definitely get stuck in that rut. Like, I go to other gyms and sometimes I get coached by people, mm -hmm. and I'm like. I'm full foul of that myself, like, mm-hmm. and I identify that, and then I get really mad at myself for doing it. But it's it's easily done. It's uh, you know, it, sound, it it's hard to sometimes be like completely blank canvas and mm-hmm. be like, I know that this person's maybe putting me into a position that, or they're telling me something that I'm not necessarily agree in agreement with, yeah. but and doing it anyway. It's-
1: there's this um, there's this really good analogy, and I just read it in Michael Pollan's last book, and he talks. Uh, it's mostly about behavior and how when we learn something. Imagine your brain is a ski slope Okay. and whenever you learn something, it's like sledding down and it creates a track and then you learn something else and it creates a track and eventually it's really hard to create new tracks. You're falling into just old grooves because your brain is, if anything else, is an efficiency machine, Mm -hmm. right? It's trying to shortcut everything, make life easier, but that's the trap is that, oh, I already learned this. It's this groove. It's this way. This is what it feels like. And every time I go out of, anytime I'm uncomfortable, I'm more than likely going to cross grooves or create a new path. And that's what learning is to me. And I think going to, something as simple as like going to a gym, it could be a bad experience. It could be a good experience. It allows you to highlight how different those grooves look. And like I, uh, it's very, uh, it's it doesn't happen often. It perpetua was one of the places that I went to. And I was like, wow, this place is really different. I have a lot to learn here. Like how the coaches interact I've never seen before. And I happened to hit it at a really good time when you were there and Oz was there. And all these really great people that were really fun to hang out with. And I got to see that whole thing blossom. And I, I feel like that was an advantage. Um, and I experienced maybe a couple of weeks ago when we were in San Diego. and We dropped into this gym that I've dropped into before. Um, and it's a whatever. We're just going to get a workout in because yada, yada, yada. And I noticed how detailed and absolutely like enthusiastic the coach was. Now it's over CrossFit. So it could be a little bit annoying, like, but he was so into every movement. So like enthusiastic about everything that it was infectious. Cause you could tell he gave a shit, mm. right? Like he cared about everybody in that room, not maybe individually, like he wants, you know, whatever, but he cared about his art and getting other people to like that art. Mm. So that that's how he expressed himself. And it, it literally changed like, God, I, I shouldn't be so, I don't know, pessimistic about this whole fucking fitness thing. Like, cause that's infectious. Even if I like, if somebody comes to learn I really do love physical fitness and I love l- movement and I love learning movement, so why would I be a fucking asshole if, if, if again, the messenger is more important sometimes than the message. Mm. If the message is, you should really love physical fitness, but the messenger is a fucking you know asshole, uh pedantic and fucking raging and you can kind of tell there's this internal rage where he thinks he's better than everybody else you're not going to get the message you're only going to think that the messenger is a fucking dick yeah. so I,
3: I really like how to- I've, I've, i have I've like i have to say i've been that person mm-hmm. like oh, you, i've got oh. into that po- position where i'm like you know <sighs> movement is like the i got to a point where i was like movement so like, you gotta be on the movement mm-hmm. you gotta be like you know i because i because i was Insu- insufficient as a lot of it mm-hmm. and I and I worked really like, I was that guy that would stay three hours a day work on all the movement because I was like I've got to be good enough that I can help impart that into others and then when I got to that stage I then like was like and you know, on others. Oh, yeah exactly yeah. and then I had to like take a step back and be like people come here for fun man like people come here to have a good hour and you've got to foster that as much as mm-hmm. educate them you got to help them enjoy enjoy and the trick
0: them into doing the movement properly yeah i, mean, I think this is a lot of it is like mm-hmm. when you set up the okay we're gonna have the this is gonna be the skill session and then no one shows up you know <laughs> uh, yeah. um because that's not fun and so you actually have to i mean i think that you know one of the signs of a, of a of a very good coach is is being able to to um insert the skill acquisition into what is essentially fun mm. for the for the client that they mm. don't that they're learning it but they don't know that they are and they're not getting you know sort of um castigated for doing it wrong yeah you know but there's a definitely a benefit to doing it right even though they don't know and mm. and, and they, they they see the benefit but they don't
3: actually understand that they're being sort of coached mm. along the way the in the sense in, of play. Doing it yeah like making stuff a game like yeah. you know we learn that's how all of us learn whatever yeah. it is, you know. Yeah, that, it, like, it's,
1: I find when as soon as something is written on a board, it becomes a task. Yeah, right. And I and I was like, like just that looking first, to like, cross yeah. it off. So most yeah, now I have to do this and I have to do this and that. Like organizes, everybody looks at the whole thing, but they're looking towards the end. And so now I've had to stop, and you know I will it's not necessarily created in the moment, but I am not telling people what it is so that they can focus on the thing that's in front of them as opposed to explaining the whole story and then they're focused on what they think will be the hard part and they miss the whole part where they can actually enjoy it and learn. And so a lot of our, how I've started to change our sessions now and when we take people through things is, and maybe you realize this last night, we fuck around a lot. Like the warm-up is sometimes 45 minutes of rolling around on the ground doing ridiculous things like doing things that will get you to question why the fuck we're doing this right like backbends and weird positions and stuff that I've taken from you know martial arts and stuff that I've taken from tumbling and gymnastics and some of it's from CrossFit some of it's from dynamic track work maybe I'll take one thing from some fucking asshole that does mobility but for the most part it's just a way to like get people to do things that are different and be uncomfortable because mm-hmm. then those grooves those impressions in your snow hill if you would are new and fresh and you tend to remember those things and yeah yeah at the end we'll do this hard workout and everybody will breathe everybody will get their drug and then you can leave and I find that the more frequently I do that like Mark likes to say more often people are leaving the gym accelerating right they're like going up they're not on this like oh that was a fucking beat down
0: yeah and, and pouring themselves out of the gym mm-hmm. I want them to and on, a, yeah, a positive
1: note. But. That, sorry, I nobody, said that actually out loud. <laughs> <laughs> but nobody does that for the coach. And this yeah. is the hard problem from a business aspect, right? Because I'm able to do that because I control the scenario now and I've done it wrong for so long. And now that I feel like I'm doing a little bit more right as opposed to more wrong, not exactly like perfect. I, I can kind of control how I end those sessions, so I can have more energy at the end of it. Because if people are accelerating out, actually, that's a reflection of my own personality, and then I can handle more energy. I've, I've even got to the point but where if they are just they, in.
0: If they are just ruined, exhausted, in a puddle on the floor, so and, so it's, am and I. it's genuine, then you uh, um, and like Giles, E. <laughs> um you said you know you take on that energy mm-hmm. i mean you're exposed to that energy so if you're the one controlling the environment and it has negative energy in it well it's you it's 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 it's, it's, it's you mm-hmm. and you will you know you'll walk out of that environment with car- carrying that energy and i'm going to wonder and, why i'm so smashed
1: yeah yeah why why am i like or, i feel so fatigued and Well, look at all the people around you can barely get off of the ground. And it's not that hard work is bad. It's that the state that they're in was never picked up and put back together. Like there is a very high skill set in getting somebody to do something hard. And then when they leave, they feel like they could do it again. Yeah, that's The the biggest difference isn't in the work that they did or how deep they went. It's in how you put the pieces together. And I think like Roger's birthday is a perfect example of two people were visiting us and you know their first exposure to very very hard things and this workout in particular was a fucking beatdown because you're partnered with somebody that's technically better than you faster um is taking a lot of the pressure but also enforcing a lot of the things to go beyond what you think you're capable yeah. of. and it should have been to reason that if we pushed how we pushed that those people should be a rubble at the end And in actuality, after a couple conversations, Mark's really good about this, Like the time when people are sometimes most open is after these hard experiences. That's when you you light them up with the real stuff. That's when you light them up with the ideas that that will accelerate them out the door. Some of it's criticism of how they handled it, but it's also an answer to why they felt so miserable. So they can go, oh, well, next time, I'll try that and I'll change my facial expression and I'll pick up my posture because those are all signals to myself that I'm not dying anymore. The fetal position is for birth and death. So, therefore, if I stay away from those, maybe I can do this better next time. That's acceleration. Now, I still did the same workload, same stuff, but I took the time to instill that, hey, there's some wisdom in your effort, not just this is um, Sisyphatic effort.
2: Mm.
0: Sisyphean.
1: Ooh, yeah. Yeah but it's also sympathetic as in it's a a a disease of some sort yeah
0: (laughs) but it's but but it also like because if you just end the workout and you got to shove them out the door to make room for the next group that comes in without allowing that moment that that period however long it takes because you know to to set up the conditions where you have a direct pipeline into (laughs) you know the unconscious mind Mm. which is ultimately what you're trying to do is just like okay i need to put them through this thing in order to break down the walls so that they can actually hear yeah or maybe see when you're using someone else as an example you know demonstrate something for them or whatever in the end and i think it's it's just like you know that that thing of of oh we only have one hour Okay. Well, no, we only really have forty-five minutes because it's going to take me fifteen minutes. It's going to take them once they're done with the training ten minutes to come down, and then I'm going to need five minutes to deliver the lesson of the day. Mm-hmm. So, oh, but then we gotta—we're going to lose ten minutes up front because they can't get started because they just need to bullshit and socialize with each other and blah, blah blah. And then suddenly you're into you're in this zone of like having, you know, only twenty minutes of actual training and yeah and if you're if you're not very good at like sort of uh organizing time or steering people or getting you know ushering them along into the um into those final 15 minutes man people just not uh evolve (laughs) at the rate at which they are capable um, because you as the trainer and you as the trainer in the environment that you have created is actually the person that's potentially holding them back.
3: Yeah, for sure. I think it's it's interesting you talk about actually like the class management, time management, and just being able to control a room are mm-hmm. actually skills that are some of the hardest for people to adopt, but actually have the biggest bang for their buck. And I've seen a lot of really good technical coaches um, struggle with that because they kind of haven't, Figured out their rhythm in the class and like, kind of their persona, if you like, who that who they are supposed to be kind of playing, yeah. um, and that's something that you know it's probably one of my strongest skills. Is I wasn't the most, I was I st- like still not the most gifted when it comes to understanding the stimulus or understanding mm-hmm. kind of like some of the movements and some of the ways to build and structure workouts. But one of the things I because I practiced it a lot in my previous job was controlling rooms and building lesson plans and and and. Asking questions and getting people to engage, I could control the room and the environment quite well. Um, but it was it was it was one of those things that I, every time I, like every time I had a good class, I wanted to perfect, and I kind of was like, "Damn, I didn't do that as well as I mm-hmm. could have done," and I didn't do that as well as I could have done. Um, and that in itself is a craft that, I mean, you know, if I went and did a class now and took class, I'd be like, "Ah, oh, nailed that!" Oh, that was really rusty. Like, you know, and but without even getting into did i coach that person's movement right did i give them the cue that they needed like that it's there's so much complexity that goes into running an hour that again if you're smashed or your energy's not right it's so hard to to evoke the right the right response from
0: yeah and unfortunately you can't actually i mean it's a it's a it's a skill of a pretty high order mm. for which you you know the expression of which you, i mean you you can't earn a living commensurate with the actual skill that is being applied, mm. and it's not the, you know you said you know someone who's technically proficient at the lifting and who understands maybe the competitive aspect of this or that, but um, th- then you get in that situation where you you have to be a sociologic uh, a sociologist in a way, or you know th- to, to, to manage the various personalities and how they interact together and this and that and all of these things, and just like man, I'm taking fairly high. Skill levels from a number of different things, Mm -hmm. combining them into this very strange compressed time frame, and trying—you know, there's just—and I'm leaving the gym, you know, thirty dollars in the black. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, oh, that wasn't—it can never, if yeah, if it's a financial. Thing can never be worth it. I think mm-hmm. it's almost like it's almost best to have, you know, hobbyist coaches mm-hmm. in a way, just because.
1: Well, the, the term amateur isn't what people generally think that it, it doesn't mean like novice, it doesn't mean bad at or beginner, it means for the love of. Mm. And I think that like being an amateur just expressions that I'm not dependent on it for an income. Yeah. yeah. That might produce the most genuine exalt because all these levels of complexity that we're talking about have only been. Really dealing with how the coach interacts with the client, but especially in a like high priced city like London, there's another level of interaction that most people forget about, and that's the owner of the gym's interaction with the coaches and the client. Yeah. So there's something, and this is where it gets hard to like figure out because in physics there's something called the three body problem. Okay. Right. So uh, if I take a pendulum. I can, I can predict, given an input-output, where that pendulum will make marks on a piece of paper or, or swivel. I can kinda, you know, uh, the ellipse that it makes is really easy to figure out, given the forces of, of, you know, Newtonian physics. A two-body problem is also pretty easy. Like, given the input and the accuracy, I can tell where these And it look a little bit more chaotic, but a three-body problem is impossible. So you add a third variable to any situation, <laughs> and this is why I, br- I bring it yeah. up because it to me it matches coaching perfectly. I go, oh yeah, the client comes in with this that's controllable and it's expected, and I come in with this. Therefore, together we have a two-body problem. How we interact is you know based on our input outputs together, but we throw a third in there and it's chaos. It's economics. It's any soft science. It's anything that is uncontrollable, and this is one of the things, like rarely, we're always talking about the client and the coach interaction, but rarely are we talking about how this whole thing is facilitated through the gym ownership, coach, client interaction. Yeah. That becomes the hardest thing because, and this is why I thought it was an like a very, um, I don't know, uh, this subject hits dead on this because watching your situation, how you came in through the love of this whole process, wanting to learn, being curious. And the reason you might have gotten out of it It is because there was no control for this third thing which is you need to be able to survive and do this thing and living in london it cannot
3: be you can't be an amateur yeah it has to be a profession yeah it's really difficult to make a living so it it is and it isn't like Mm -hmm. i know some really successful coaches they're really good at coaching they make good money Mm -hmm. but the type of coach i wanted to be and the type of Person I am, I found it very hard to make enough money to sustain the way I wanted to coach. Mm. Um, uh, and that's you know there were some definitely things I failed at. Like I I understand that I also went through like I had my mum passed mm. like kind of halfway through my coaching career. And if I like anyone listening that's kind of in coaching or whatever dealing with something like a bereavement, especially someone who's very um, uh, what's the word? Like I'm a Practical person, kind of do. I'm a doer to kind of get stuff, get through shit. So I just chuck myself into work, which was the completely worst thing I could do because all I did was bury myself in other people's kind of stuff, um, which I basically was like a shell of who I am. Like everyone was like, "What's wrong with you?" And I'm like, "Nothing." Mm. Um, uh, and they didn't tell anyone, so no one knew. And I just kind of like, apart from some of the people that I worked with, so I just kind of ploughed on. Um, it was like a perfect storm, and it basically just highlighted to me that I like I wasn't getting. The financial reward for doing what i really wanted to do and now no longer was i getting the emotional reward for doing what i wanted to do um and you know we were talking about this earlier when we got food it's also it, like it's you don't there's no security in it. It's, it you are kind of like living hand-to-mouth a little bit mm-hmm. in terms of paychecks and um and all that kind of stuff so there's a like like almost again the three three variables it's it's really hard to make it a sustainable thing where you can you can do it for the love of doing it you end up having to chuck away some of the the love of it and do it for you know try and make money out of it and that's I think that's where a lot of coaches get caught up into now it's like well I did it for the love and that didn't get me very fast and I need, need to be a bit more selfish and do it for the money and um, and it's it's really, like, I don't really know what the answer is to that. Like, I've always, I find it quite interesting to listen to you guys talk about, like, how, like working with actors mm-hmm. and how you took away the money and then it became a bit more of an easier thing to balance. But, um, yeah, it's it's something I don't really know what the answer is. And I guess kind of a question back to you two is what how you think you can make it sustainable for people to do it for the love of. Is it just amateur?
1: Well, I think you, uh, to. I mean, off the top of my head, based off of what I've experienced working with every sort of gym payment, whatever, there is something that I guess maligns would be like the the, maybe that word doesn't work, but it, it gives you this impression that, yeah, if I'm this genuine person that wants to help people, and if I charge for that, um, that makes me some kind of shill for profit. Like I'm mm. profit first. And there there is that because you you will see, and this is where it gets weird because um, you'll be a good coach and you'll notice that you're better than other coaches. Like legitimately, like I know more and I'm better at handling humans than other people. Like I feel like my love of this thing should be rewarding, but I'm not willing to do the marketing hype Pander to the you know crowd that is paying money. Like uh, I'm not gonna make those you know $5.99 get slim in six weeks programs, or I'm not gonna trick people into like, hey, right now we're doing a six week transformation challenge. If you jump in this group for $1.99, blah 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 blah. There's this idea that if I do that, it'll take away from me, and there's a balance here of where I need to provide something that's valuable for somebody and that's up to each individual because it has to do with what you can create i think Mm. and there's there's this thing where if you stop looking for profit and start looking to create things that make a difference the inherently and if you you can match this timing is the key like if i can support myself until that creation comes to fruition and starts to you know, proliferate with people and people identify how quality and how valuable the thing I am is providing, then the, the income will come eventually. But Mm. most people are too desperate to strike that balance. There there's no buffer, especially in this world where more people like the last statistic that I read in the U S was that if you have $10 in your pocket and no debt, you are richer than 90% of the U S yeah, which is fucking baffling. This doesn't include mortgages. So this isn't even a like, you know, a debt income ratio where your thirty year loan is sewed into it. They yeah. take house out of the equation and any asset. This just has to do with pure debt. And uh, talking to another client, they said in Canada the last statistic was for every dollar that you make, you owe two dollars and twenty four cents. What now? I don't care about that. But what we're looking at is a, a population of people that are desperate right? Because they have so much liability and that's what debt is, is a, yeah. is a liability. It's, it's informing my decision. So the first and foremost thing, when I talk about like getting to be in a position where you could do good work is to not be desperate, to not owe creditors or debtors or like, and this is, I mean, in all intents and purposes, fitness is a ledger, yeah. just like an accountant ledger, right? Like a, you you can only afford so much before you break. And you can only be in so far over your head before that, you know, that... You drown. Yeah, that pressure, <laughs> right? Like... A, I owe that thing and I'm paying fucking 24% interest. And why the fuck did I need that? Like Mm. that thing looms on you and you don't need it, Uh, but we're so busy keeping, and and this is a cultural remark because there is a lot of pressure to keeping up with the Joneses, to having a certain lifestyle. Like I have to have a new car. And even if it's not a Mercedes Benz, well, fuck, I need the new Hyundai. And guess what? They're 30 grand too or whatever. Mm. There's this pressure to constantly keep up even if I'm not making, like it's, our lifestyle is never a reflection of our actual accounting it's a reflection of how we want to be and because of credit we can do that now here's the weird thing with credit that most people don't realize a credit is what our civilization is built on and they don't i don't think a lot of people realize that credit is the idea that our future will be better than right now it's a bet right, right they don't realize that the opposite is that when you are in debt it's actually guaranteeing that your future is worse than your present because you have to pay for that yeah and that that, that to me represents a big cultural (laughs) cosmic universal law of balance the ledger of debt and credit and that i think that works for people that fitness like you come in and you got to pay the man with the hammer and there's but it's also
0: and it's also nutrition
1: yeah yeah exactly like a universal rule throughout and um when i see when people first when people first want to get into coaching or i want to be this honestly You're teaching somebody how to take care of themselves is really the thing. You're teaching them to watch after their body, to eat in a certain manner, not too much, in certain foods, to be very balanced. When in reality, I could learn all the exercise movements, I could know all the stuff about nutrition, but if I'm $100,000 in debt, I am leveraged and I have this looming thing of desperation over me. Something is keeping me a hold. It's almost like... I don't, it's a force that makes you behave in a way that you shouldn't behave. Yeah. And so, and,
0: and, and, but you don't recognize the influence of that force mm. in the moment of the doing. Right. Exactly. Right. Like you never, you, you, and you, we can't understand sometimes why we do
1: things mm-hmm. or don't. Why I might cheat somebody out of something or I might, T- like, uh, I might be in a position where, like, oh, I'm gonna, you know, dip into this or not tell somebody that I took X. Or, uh, th- these are not people trying to be malicious. It's usually just a underlining pin- pinning of desperation. Yeah, like, I a need fight to get ahead. Flight. Yeah, I, yeah, exactly. And it's very sympathetic in that in that uh, form. And so, when people first get into this business, like, the best thing you can do is be the example. You want people to be balanced and take care of themselves. Start in your own means. Yeah. Don't be in debt. Take care of your finances. Don't live beyond your means because in fitness, you can't survive beyond your means. Yeah. And so I think though, like that lesson comes through. It took me a decade to handle my debt because I did a lot of it. Like I put myself in a position where I was desperate and I had to make certain. So this isn't a soapbox thing where I'm like fucking, <laughs> you know, I it, like this was a very hard thing for me to conceptualize and I am just now able to talk about it because i have finally feel like i've gotten rid of that desperation like there's now nothing looming on me i can say things do things accept clients fire clients because i'm not doing things for any other reason than the love of yeah and that that's the purest form of anything that you want to do is being free of any obligation to please somebody and the answer goes hand in hand with that most people do the opposite they i want this job because i need extra money because i have to pay this thing that i never paid for already a bad start you're never going to give people the right answer and you're a terrible fucking example of balance and i so in that regard because i want this to be i I would i would honestly say and I'll, i'll probably keep this as a rule i mean if anybody was to come here and want to Learn and wants to be a part of what we're doing. My first questions will be how far in debt they are, and how how can we educate or help that person to get out of the situation. And until that happens, you will have no responsibility here. Yeah, because I can't depend on people that are desperate and making decisions that are unaccountable. You can defend that. You can depend on them to make poor decisions. Yeah, yeah, that, that's that's the, that's that's the, the thing definitely. you can depend on. <laughs> Because, and I've, maybe I've just seen it too many times. And it, and it, like, it, it is sad because it's not, it's not necessarily our fault. Like, we're never educated to learn about credit in the real way. We don't yeah. know what APR is. In, in, I mean, we might in some mathematics or statistics class, but in reality, we don't know how people are taking advantages of our wants and desires and needs and leveraging that against us for the monthly bill. Or, you know, the perfect example is like when you go buy a car in the US, how much can you afford monthly? What? No, what's the price of the car? No, we'll make it work. Don't worry about it. Yeah. What can you afford monthly? Well, that price is not the real price. Yeah. It doesn't take into consideration the cost of the tires. It doesn't take into consideration the cost of maintenance. It doesn't take into consideration that sometimes shit happens. Your car's a fucking lemon and it fucking blows up. Like if you have no buffer for that, you are desperate. And now I'm in a position where I'm scared I mean legitimately frightened for my life because I don't know how to pay my bills and now I'm out of an automobile that blew up that I still have to pay for every month. So it's not about what the co- what the sales price... And paying for public transportation to get to the job that you know, <laughs> have to do in order yeah. to manage the debt or whatever. I mean, I think, Michael, we were
0: talking about this mm-hmm. in the context of endurance the other day, of, mm. of like one of the benefits of of, you know, a, a long relationship with endurance sport, for example, or, or whatever, at least an attentive relationship with it is, is in, um, learning, uh, to project what is going to happen in the future yeah. and to either, you know, to keep the thing in your back pocket or to behave in a different way now in order to either, you know, um, uh, prevent, ev- avoid, or foster these things that you can see that that will be happening in the future that look, I can't I can't go all out right now mm. because what's going to happen 2 hours from now you know how much does the tank go down I mean I'd like to go into any event thinking I have a, a limitless you know fuel tank but it's just not true yeah and so there's this there's this thing that I think the endurance aspect or even the like we were talking before about the hockey is like man you're you're good to go all out you know go really darn hard for a minute but now you need but only because you are expecting, you 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 have uh, adapted to this idea of like go hard for a minute, rest for two minutes, go hard yeah. for a minute, rest for two minutes, go hard for a minute, rest. For, you know, go get in people's way for a minute, yeah. and then come rest for two minutes while somebody else, you know, maybe uh, takes advantage of that you know, those conditions that you just set up or whatever. Yeah. But if you if you go hard for a minute and then you only get a minute rest, and then you go hard for a minute, and you only get a minute rest, and you go hard for a minute, then you have to go hard for another minute without any rest in between wow, now this is all of a sudden, the, you know, the, these unforeseeable things or the stuff that you haven't prepared for or adapted your consciousness to um, that it, it, it's, now I can't predict the outcome down the road yeah. because this uncontrollable stuff is happening right now. And so, I you know, to, to, to come out of, you know, having trained people for a really long time and, and realizing like, wow, there, there are things certain lessons that we have all learned by participating in this in a somewhat self-aware way and attentive and we ask questions all the time and you know critique each other and accept criticism from each other um to understand that wow these several of these things that we have learned through these processes um Uh, really applicable to other stuff in life but i I can't get the person who walks in the door and wants a six weeks transformation to understand that like it's the, the last thing that should be talked about is that is some higher order or higher level benefit from you know full participation um in these activities it's it it's so but but somewhere down the road you do get to talk about it It just it's just not going to be when you're trying to sell the person that $50 a month membership and do give me your credit card info. So yeah. if you lose interest, I don't. I, I've <laughs> always
1: loved, like uh, Berkey has this thing who owns um, Station 515. He's been on here and he'll, he will be helping us with our next uh, symposium. He has this, uh, he does not do reoccurring charges. So he loves the uncomfortable nature of asking people for money, which is... Th- awesome to me like that is the total reason why i will always love that guy is because he always finds a re in and, and the expression of it is not the bad thing that people think like oh we have to talk about money now people are gonna mm-hmm. be weird he goes hey uh gym dues are due it's due by this date i can take your payment right now or after the class and what happens is that forwardness that honesty and people are always evaluating the worth of his place it it actually has the opposite effect of what people do. People think like, oh, they're going to hide from it or they wouldn't know. It reasserts that there's a lot of value in his place. So the conversation is normalized. And now people are having an open conversation about yeah. what this is, what the value of this building holds and the association with the learning experience. Like, I don't know how far he's gone into the psychology of what this has done for him, but as opposed to how most people make riches, which is like, man, if I can charge them five bucks a month and they don't notice, like, you know, and they don't show up, so they don't question it, and it just comes out without me touching yeah. anything. I, if I do this to enough people, I have a massive income. Instead, it comes back to actually, if I go forward, hey, uh, my training is worth this, and your your ability to be here is going to cost you this. You can pay on this date, and I will ask you every thirty days. That's a different. That's a different way about going about it, and and it's not sneaky it's not and I think a lot of the situations people find them in financially are because of sneakiness yeah companies say like oh you can afford this or just get a lease on a vehicle or just do these kind of terms you can afford it or sign up for this thing that's this much monthly and don't worry we won't even tell you about it we'll just keep billing you that's a symptom of a fucking disease that will infect our culture which now is we don't understand what our means are Mm. and I, I would go ahead and wager this is a totally fucking hypothetical but I do not know a successful endurance athlete that lives beyond their means. And there's some correlation between those two. The best rock climbers live in vans and eat like very low footprint and do this lifestyle thing. And people are like, oh, they're bums they're this. No, it's just that their activity costs them like time. And that time has to be made up somewhere. Right? So they don't have extravagant houses, generally speaking. They don't have these things. And same thing with endurance ethics. I, I just think it's a correlation towards also the, the activity that they participate in. They're thinking about the future is actually what it comes down to. And they're projecting that, okay, I have this much now. I need this much at the end. There's no difference in doing finances about, okay, I make this much. This is what my overhead is. And this is what I can afford to still get my thing. And I don't I don't know if that's true. It could be total bullshit. But from my anecdotal experience is like endurance athletes seem to be very good with like figuring out finances. I don't know why other than that correlation.
3: Interesting. Interesting correlation to re- resources. <laughs> and football resource players ownership.
1: are fucking terrible. <laughs> right? And they have logically way more access to more money. You even talk professional NFL players yeah. because they get these large... Much like the activity is high doses of high intensity, you know, 13 second, 10 second, maybe 20 at the most. These plays that are so intense and so violent and then nothing for like five and a half minutes. And they do that for four hours. Well, their contracts and their monetary gain is almost identical. They get millions of dollars paid out in one thing. And they're not thinking that this career only lasts two years. They're thinking I have a million bucks. I'm going to buy a two million dollar house because next year I'll make the other million and pay it off. It's like, "Mm, I don't think it works like that. Yeah, And you see so many football players in so much trouble. Same thing with like the MC Hammers of the world. Yeah, man, you had like $40 million at one time. Didn't think that would be taxed, did you? Or like you just saw the big number and then went and bought the stuff that goes with that. And all of these things, like these efforts that you get you know, compensated for. And so, I mean, long story around this big hypothetical that's going through my head because I've been thinking about it a lot lately about this specific subject because it does make me sad that like someone like yourself that comes to it from a good paying job, like a career, notice the power that you had over yourself, mm. wanted to share that with other people, found out that you couldn't actually afford to help other people.
3: Yeah, right? and it's true. I mean, I'm like, and I knew all of this before I got into it. And this is another thing that I kind of topic to raise. But um, I invested a lot of my money to mm-hmm. do the thing. Like I didn't get paid for. I, I don't know. Like actually, I got money, I got paid, but I, I like, on a balance sheet, I didn't yeah, actually yeah, yeah, get paid yeah. Yeah. for like the first I don't know six months or something. And the, and the gym were really transparent about this. Mm-hmm. And I, I liked the idea. I, the reason I bought into it was the idea that I was buying into it. If you mm-hmm. know what I mean. Like and I and I respected that. I respected that I want like they wanted you to. Uh, feel like it's valuable and also i was getting educated like i you mm-hmm. know there was a transfer of i wasn't just getting you know paid money i was getting paid in in knowledge like the stuff that i learned you know and i got exposure to meet yourself and mm-hmm. and now sit here and you know through that so it gave me way more um than money but but it didn't allow me to live effectively mm-hmm. that that was the trade off was that yes i got loads in return for the the money i invested and the stuff that i'll never forget and it's priceless if you like but but the trade off was that i couldn't actually sustain it's unsustainable yeah man. i couldn't sustain that um and you know those there and and there are people that do so it's difficult to say Oh well, you just didn't work hard enough. You didn't grind hard enough to kind of do the thing, Um, because there are people that do, and I like I you know I'm still still in contact with some of them and friends with some of them, and I um, respect the hell out of them for being able to do that. I just couldn't, and you know so again, some people would be like, well, you know, you weren't cut out to do it. Maybe I wasn't, but um, yeah, I I I, like it. It's something that I. i'm sad about in a lot of ways like i would love to still be able to coach people and my poor girlfriend unfortunately gets gets the brunt of that so whenever we're in a gym space or even out of a gym space i'm constantly coaching her and she's like can you just not coach me <laughs> like can you just can you just stop and i'm like no no like, I, can't, yeah, I can actually, never switch yeah, this off unfortunately like a can of worms has been opened and it will never go a yeah it, it totally is and it's really i i have my friends if any of them again listen to this and i and then I've had conversations with a few of them about this. That sometimes I lived with a friend of mine, and I coached him like just all the time. Poor guy, like he was just like <laughs> I'd be. I'd be sometimes I almost be a bit mean to him because I was. This is what you need to go and do the thing that I know that will end up getting you to where you want to be. And I found like you know. And then sometimes I get it completely wrong, and you have to kind of reflect and be like. Why did I say that to them? That was not what they needed at that time. But I'm almost to your point when you say you say you say something mean about them. You're just you, like if you saw a a car that was missing a wheel nut or something, and you knew it was broken and you knew you had to fix it, you would be like, "Oh, I need to fix that." It's the same yeah. when you see individuals that you feel like they need some, you know, some guidance or mm-hmm. some help, and you try. You, you're only doing it because you're like. I can see that needs some attention. I maybe don't know how to fix it, but I know if I get the spanner in the right place and I take the the will yep. a new will nut, I can probably fix it somehow. Okay. Um do you, you know, and it's a kind of simplistic way of putting it, but I kind of have that you know, whether I'm good at it or not, I kind of have that going all the time when I see situations or people or stuff, I'm like, how do I how do I help make this better? How can I fix this? Um, right I'll just start at the beginning and see how we get on. and and I like working with others to do that I'm kind of again something that I self-evaluated was that I'm someone that likes coming from a team background of hockey I like collaboration Mm -hmm. to to solve problems I'm not one of those people and again this was the really hard thing about coaching was that it's a kind of individual discipline a lot of the time. Like Unless you're really lucky and you work with people that really get you and get the way you coach. It's an individual discipline and it's quite hard to sometimes be that self-starter. And I was someone that needed, like um, we talked about Ozzy, who was my kind of mentor and coach um, when I started. Um, he left the gym. And as soon as that happened, it like, uh, like a lot of it kind of changed for me mm. um, because I lo- lost my collaborator. Um, and that was really <sighs> difficult as well
1: yeah (laughs) i'm just thinking about i you just brought up my own like my own experience with that that when you lose like the part that sustained you and made made everything feel stable it really unwinds and causes all these questions and i guess most people don't survive past that like that that's a really hard part and i think the only reason i did is because i didn't have any options yeah like i and that's some of the some of the reasons why i was able to maintain and be in this business was not because i was so good and hustling and grinding so i didn't have a fucking choice like i I, i'm not gonna go back and do hair again like i'm (laughs) not gonna you know because that industry takes honestly quite similar aspects building a clientele communicating with people all the same things and once you ditch them you're starting over again yeah
3: i yeah. it's the reason i always tip my barber yeah like right. i always tip, tip them because i'm kind of mm-hmm. like um you i the craft that goes into cutting hair mm-hmm. there is like there's a craft in everything you do but they have to sit there and talk to people that they maybe don't like, and like and you it's know, energy sucks. Yeah, for I was like, sure. I've coached people. You never the like coach never gets tipped if they do a great job. I'm like, oh, I always <laughs> tip my barber. Um, you know, uh, looking at my hair, you might be like, really? But yeah, no, I do. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, I think I, I, for that very reason, I think it's you know important to let people know that they kind of you know did like they give they. The value that they passed over even cutting hair like makes you feel good about yourself or whatever
1: yeah it is and it is kind of i mean this we talk about it kind of often because i think coaching will remain an unappreciated thing because for every success you have it will be the person who made that successful but for every loss you have you will be responsible for that loss like whether that's a you know physical thing like the person didn't win the challenge or they didn't do good in competition your fault because you didn't mm. prepare them but if they do succeed not your fault like you yeah not not your not because of you right you, yeah. you're a guide you, you might have helped and given some sage advice at times in fact in all intents and purposes at the highest level the guide is responsible to getting them to that level they're quieting the voices and they're doing certain things and the, it's not when people are usually you know upset that maybe you know, the best athletes in the world, their coaches are just some guys that weren't necessarily good at the sport themselves. Uh, the Bill Belichicks and the Michael Phelps coach was like not a really good swimmer. They have something else that they're doing that's making that successful, but ultimately the athlete is the one who does it. And now if they fail, everybody like the coach gets fired yeah. like you know bill belgic's maybe not now but he would be gone in an instant if they failed on producing what results he can actually guarantee like any any situation like that so it's an unappreciative occupation to start with so that that's why you have to get into the like well the if it's unappreciated how's it compensated and if we can't figure out how to compensate it fuck it's not going to be viable for very many people Mm. unless you, and and this is where we go with It's like, no wonder it's so full of charlatans because that's one of the only ways to make it viable is to just sell people shit that they don't need or, you know, give them the impression that anything is possible and that this is a big fucking scam. Like is when it comes down to it. So that's why it gets really sad because you're going to be out vocalized by the opposite of what you're teaching people. And you have to show up in the same package as though, as that is the competition. I offer physical training, nutrition advice. We do purely, you know, I can't claim any medical things or psychological things or esoteric things in the metaphysical or whatever, yeah. the, you know, transcendence. But I have to somehow take that premise, pretend we're the same thing, and then do my craft and somehow compensate it
3: for it and then, yeah. then you add without it
1: making false promises
3: yeah <laughs> yeah uh, but what what worries or, me about that a little bit is that you see a lot of and hope and, and hopefully the you know the gym space is big enough that that, that that this won't happen but my worry is that some of the gyms that genuinely give people uh purpose drive like you know give them s- tools to to like um survive or look after themselves don't end up getting pushed out by the ones, you know, just mm. giving the beatdowns where you get the endorphins and you're like, man, that was amazing. Because I worked a, a place that, you know, other pe- people would like, oh, no, I want to do the big, like, I ran a sort bike class, which mm. was basically a 20-minute just, like, get-after-it grindy session. Mm. It was quite popular for about a, minute, a bit of time because people just wanted to be a sweaty mess on the floor, but that's not... <laughs> That's not sustainable. It's not, you know, you go. Everyone goes through this fitness journey, but you get to the point where you're like, "Oh, I kind of get it. I'm starting to get it now." Hopefully, what's, what's hopefully, the, yeah.
0: The graduation path out of that particular class, like, where do you get once once that becomes unsustainable for the for the you know certain number of participants? You know, what's the next step? And I think hey, people hey. don't <laughs> assault bike anonymous. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but. It, <laughs> I feel like I need to set up a group now, at least <laughs> online or something. Would be hilarious All right. Go find that assault bike and tell you tell it you don't really hate it. Yeah. <laughs> that you were sorry for the things you said. It was a, kind of a this two moment. Yeah, there's definitely a few
3: few people I've coached that I feel like I may need to reach out to and be like <laughs> <laughs> I got you a challenge yeah, coin. Yeah. yeah.
0: But but I think like D- designing some sort of trajectory of like out of one sort of experience. Yeah, we need to have the high intensity thing, you know, because once like the, the person that comes into the, you know, the, 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 the non-machine based training space or whatever mm. you call it, you know, you get them to deadlift <laughs> first because people make it – super progress right away and they start feeling pretty good about themselves okay but you better fucking have a plan for when you know three months down the road six months down the road that stops working they start they stop making what they perceive to be satisfactory progress what's Mm. the next step oh maybe it's the you know it's well now that we've just been working on strength you know you need to learn how to breathe you need to you know develop the you know the aerobic capacity and so then we need to um you know then you have the assault bike class or you know whatever it is and then okay but what happens after that when that runs its course and if you don't have that plan then the people are going to leave and go looking for the next thing mm. that that will also be a short duration it'll burn hot and fast and then they'll be on to the next thing or whatever and and I think one of the th- things if we were talking about sort of the business model of an I would you know if 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 I was a gym owner and all I had was the gym and not, and then I don't know, I I don't believe I could make that be a viable business because the only way that I could figure out how to do it. Okay. If I need to give, you know, the amount of time and energy that I'm going to put into the people I am training, um, they can't afford to pay for that. So I have to figure out how to pay myself in some other way. And, and so not only with what we have going on, you know, here is that. Look, it's subsidized by the production of other mm. stuff. Mm. Um, and you know, at my old organization, it was the same thing. The gym was paid for. It was underwritten by other stuff. Whether that was, you know, and and initially it was okay. There's the, it's the stuff that's behind the paywall. It's this other, you know, the. But it's it 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 is, you know, we're we're selling the out, you know, the the results of other you know creativity in order to subsidize another to, to allow me to spend two hours with the group that paid for an hour of my time yeah right and 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 i don't so it almost comes back to for the love of mm. and i gotta and i gotta make them you know earn the living over here and this is how i'm gonna spend my you know I, and then i can afford to spend my creative energy here or afford yeah. to train people who can't afford to pay or wh- however it's gonna be is because it's underwritten by this other output but but the the, from the surface it's that's not seen Mm -hmm. like somebody that walks in the door they don't they don't get it they don't see all the stuff that's going on And maybe it is like maybe Berkey's way is the best way is Mm -hmm. you know to sit down and go like okay look this you know we're going to have a conversation each month about the value you are receiving from this place and if you're willing to trade money for that then you know we know that it's then we both know that you you have um received some value yeah. in, in this but if you're not if you're hesitating if you need to have it sneakily taken out of your account then then you know the organization is not providing a value and it shouldn't fucking get paid
1: mm-hmm. yeah for sure it's not much different than i mean there there's a time where if you do classic cutting like in the um we're back to the hair business. Yeah, in the okay. traditional sense and <laughs> I a, thought you were talking a, about Dustin
3: Kale uh, again. Yeah. 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 <laughs>
1: so yeah, if you if you if you do uh traditional haircutting, um a haircut for like a classic triangular graduation, the bitch bob that you've seen, like everybody's seen that. That is a four hour haircut. Like legitimately. And you know, I've taken four hours to do it when I trained a Vidal system, so that's what they train you to do. This wow. is a perfect, this is expertise, this is what structure looks like. You take that right and then you know the process now and then you go back to your space and if you're going to make money you're not going to do it by doing a four-hour haircut right because how much can you charge for that now i was on the upside of charging for haircuts i charged 110 dollars for a haircut which at the time was unheard of but i wanted to a i wanted to take my time and i wanted to be able to do what i do and there's some other things that go with that um but for the most part, when you actually get into the, okay, now I'm not making very much money because an eight hour work day, I work with two people yeah, or whatever. And maybe maybe there's I mean, three if you, sit, if you really hustle and grind.
3: Four hours to get that haircut right. as well. Like, you know, especially in today's society where instant gratification, you're like, and I want to be an in and out in an hour.
1: The, the difference is, um, the difference between a 45 minute haircut that's exactly the same cut, just not as precise, maybe 1% of the population would notice. Other Mm. than that, it's just you. Like it's just your own ego. You know. You know you didn't do the good job or you didn't know it wasn't perfect. And so there's this balance between perfection and you know the highest level of your craft and there's also, well, this person will not be at any loss if I just give them an hour and a half yeah okay so i've already chopped myself off but is that integrity so these are just self-generated questions that i've always had over business versus craft and then it becomes like if you look at the most successful hairdressers man they are really they're doing haircuts in 20 minutes even the best and they're back ending them so we do something called double booking so i have you know a client sit down my assistant washes shampoos and brings it back i cut them and then while my assistant uh, dries and styles, I go to the next one that was shampooed while they were sitting there and I cut and I do this little ring thing. Like production now, line effect. Yeah, now goes. I'm a fucking conveyor belt. And if we throw a color in there, now I'm jumping back and forth. And what I've always tried to maintain is to not ever get into that trap with training, to not yeah. ever be like one thing to the other. And that, and that's- Which is
3: easily done as well when you're sure. trying to get a load of people through a gym space as well. Like yeah. some gyms, are, you know, the gym I'm at, at the moment have got 300 members. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, just how? Ouch. Like, yeah. it's like, I mean, they, they do a, you know, a great job. What they do, they do really well. It's mm-hmm. a cool gym. But I'm like 300 members. Like, how do you- cater to everyone's needs and
1: you don't eventually there's a yeah. there's a tipping point right so for everything when quality starts to wane people will notice and there'll be what we call the conveyor or, uh, or the uh, reciprocal of that right yeah. the churn rate is at which how many people can i handle till the quality goes down is generally what businesses fucking act like and that's bullshit because they're not generating uh, they're not creating things that are of value they're actually trying they're devaluing what they're Product is into the point where people notice, and then now I don't have to invest so much time. So this goes into every. I mean, this is arguments into capitalism, basically. Yeah. But there, there has to be a point where you, where hopefully, what you offer um, is valuable to the person, and anything above it they actually don't notice. Mm. Is kind of where I'm going with that, and and then if you can maintain that, then you can build upon that. And, then, and that's totally up to each individual person. But when, when we were, I had to play the whole game um, when we were looking at buying that CrossFit gym. And, you know, I took all the classes, did all of the things <laughs> for every day. And I, had, I lasted about two weeks before I, let, I, I just couldn't keep my eyes open. But what I noticed about it was that um, in that environment, what had been structured there, the kind of clientele that they had, nobody actually appreciated the fine details. They didn't actually want, especially the 6 a.m.ers, those motherfuckers, they're going to be there anyway. They're tapping themselves on the back because they're up at 5 in the morning. They've already got their benefit, which is pretending that they're doing the hard work. The hard work is actually making progressions, which they'll never do because they're too fucking tired to do it. But for the most part, I, I was just kind of in awe that like people actually don't want to get better for the most part. Presence does not guarantee progress? Weird. (laughs) They were there for sure. And if I gave them some, a learning curve kind of deal, like, hey, today is skill work. Fucking furious. Yeah. Like the amount of. I, I complaints that i got when we have like a skill day hey no guys calm down we're just going to develop because you guys are shit you guys can't even do a handstand you can't even do half of the moves in crossfit that are required you have no business going hard yet there was nothing but backlash from that and then it was like oh okay so
3: and i was I, again one of those mm-hmm. people i've like literally like every everything i've like ticked off the list sure. i'm like yep <laughs> yep i've done, I've done that yeah. i was just 6 a.m i did half five for a bit as well and yeah you know it was just like smash myself against the wall and you know all that good stuff and it's um it, it's it's really fun. like i was actually end up being thankful for being that person mm. in the gym because it made me recognize it and understand it more and kind of i i know i did that cuz i'm you know addicted to this thing and you know I'm, this is how i flex that and you know
1: and most teaching moments are just <laughs> like any good teacher are just a representation of pitfalls that you've fallen in yourself yeah, and not a soapbox in which to preach, but something to share with somebody based on experience. Like, and from a humble place, like, Hey, just so you know, I've, 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 I I see where you're at and I can appreciate it's an empathetic call, right? Like I know how you feel about waking up and doing this and not making progress. And I want to tell you like, there's a different way and there's where like, there's where coaching begins is from empathy and experience not yeah. from expertise and ego.
3: Which is hard. It's a really hard tone to get right. Mm. Like again it's hard to develop that tone and that language to mm. to not come across as like, wow. Oh, but I was I was being humble" and it's like you were not being humble. Yeah. that that is not humble. Yeah.
0: Um, it it does it starts with h and u. But
1: the the third letter is not M. <laughs> uh, okay. It is yeah. It's 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 kind of a. It, who knows what? I mean, I I have my pessimism about where this culture is going. Um, I think the antidote for a lot of a lot of the like ills of society have to do with physical um, presence, mm. like under like. In every aspect, social otherwise, like there is almost nothing that can be miscommunicated in person, right? Like, I just don't. It can, but like compared to how many things go fucking awry over text message or message or yeah. just commentary on on life. So we're we're losing that interaction, and then there's almost. I would hate to say this, but they're, they're like trying to learn how to move your physical body through space can teach you infinitely more things than other practices and I think I don't see it going in a good direction but I'm hopeful that there's some people that are noticing those kind of things and being you know hey we should get outside and we should do this and you know it's not just about gym movement it's about this movement out here and it like Pointing people out the door, well, getting people in the door and then pointing them out the door is the job of like a good guide, a good coach. And I don't even know if I like the name coach because I've always had a problem with it. Yeah. But for the most part, it's, you know, a good guide to me. Like somebody who can, from experience, show somebody a destination from A to B. And then after that, you can decide what you are.
3: Yeah, for sure. I, I think one of the things that I try and practice and I think that comes into it is asking questions and, and listening to answers. Because I think that that's a one of the things that, again a pitfall I fell into was as coach mm. was I was giving answers rather than rather <laughs> than looking for them, and actually you should only be looking. Mm. the The conclusion I came to was actually all I should be looking for is answers. Like, how do you feel about that? You know, how did that make you feel? What did you get from that? And then and the other thing, just to kind of add on to that, was. I think it's, it's really hard to get outside your comfort zone, especially in this day and age. I think you guys talked about this again, like not wanting to fail, feel failure, or like, you know, f- fear kind of like this morning, for instance, we went to Jiu Jitsu, which is mm. awesome I've never done Jiu Jitsu before. And I was like, yeah, I'd love to do it. And then you kind of went, yeah, cool, we're going. And I was like, oh, my Uh-oh. brain did that thing of like, oh shit, danger. <laughs> like, uh, like I, I, I'm going to go to, this is going to be weird. I'm not going to know how to do anything. I don't know anyone. It's like a whole new experience. And I was like, but that's the whole point. Mm-hmm. And, and I kind of was like, no, of course course i'm gonna go yeah it's gonna be great fun and it was wicked Mm. but so many people and and again this is coming from a place where i can i have been present with that thought that i would like i know what i'm doing and i still did it anyway and i think that that's difficult for a lot of people to get to is kind of like being present in the moment and the the mind to be like oh actually i should do the thing that scares me because that's what's going to yield the result Mm. um and then you know try and ask some questions and Get some answers. And I think, I think one thing to sort of circle back on the, you know, visiting other gyms
0: mm. kind of thing um is is not only seeing how they do stuff but I I always found it really beneficial to listen to the questions that were being asked by the clients of the mm. trainer. Or of each, or or to each other, when the trainer wasn't there. Because okay, I didn't didn't, want—I was too embarrassed to ask the guy. So I'm gonna ask the person next to me, who I'm not embarrassed to, you know, show my ignorance. Once the guy whose respect I'm trying to earn is, you know, out of earshot or whatever. I mean, but it's—it's listening to those questions and what? Okay, what is it that people um, seek? What are they? What? What are these? What are the problems that they're trying to solve? And I and and it's. It, it, it's something that because, you know, we field some questions by email, obviously, or, you know, direct message or indirect message via the social media and that sort of thing. I'm just like, wow, we have really done a done a if these are the questions that you know, if this is someone who's been in, you know, our orbit, let's say of Michael mm-hmm. and I and the, you know, the stuff that we've been talking about for a number of years. Um, and if, if somebody's been in that orbit and they're still asking this question, then we need to communicate better. And as we were, but however, <laughs> as we were mentioning earlier, it's pretty amazing that if we are in the business of communication, um, that we're remarkably fucking bad at it. Mm. And, Most and,
2: times,
1: yeah. And, and, but it, that's, and
0: it's really, it's really not an easy sort of thing.
3: No, for sure. I mean, That's the great thing about podcasts. You talked a little bit about mm. how we, we communicate and it's not through text. it's like you know like going back to way way back to when i was coaching kind of tech training whatever however we want to guys we put paint it in but you know you have kinesthetic audible and 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 visual kind of um written learning and we learn through expression facial expressions and 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 then through through the word like the tone and then finally through the words like the words are the last bit that people pay attention to so why are we all trying to learn through text is beyond me like i was or, terrible at school because yeah. of that like i'm, I'm a kinesthetic learner mm-hmm. i learned through doing um i found this out 10 years after i needed it which was great thanks school um but uh <laughs> 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 like great job <laughs> like i learned that through like my career and doing going through that practice but it's, it's yeah it's like and that's a great thing about going and doing something physical is that you end up being forced to learn through the way you're supposed to learn to communicate and the way you're supposed to communicate and um, I think you we were having a conversation you were talking about like when you get into that real empty space of like I've got no energy and you have to communicate with another human being you don't talk to them. <laughs> No, like it becomes a much more energy kind of like you look into someone's eyes and you can you know where they're at like mm-hmm. and there was that test i uh, was watching a Darren brown thing that test where you just get two people to look at each other for four minutes and you kind of like they generally break down in some way or they connect in some way and they don't have to say a single thing and it's you know that's that's the little i know about human beings like the us as a species it's all about that physical interaction in some way
1: yeah i think the the farther you can get away from metaphor or abstraction the more direct the lesson is like just purely like the the lesson for me was learning about In uh, this this is a philosophical lesson about a word is not the thing it's a representation of the word so you're one level abstraction so if you use words as a metaphor you're two levels of abstraction so you whenever you process that we're going to d- Levels deep and the people have to in order to really learn the lesson come back out But a physical lesson there is no level of abstraction. The thing is the thing so if I say You know, that's a dog uh, and I point to the word dog. It's not the dog itself It's representing the thing Mm -hmm. now in your brain. You have to make that correlation But if you feel something as in like jujitsu and that there was a lot of today was like Explaining, you know what you're trying to do first and then it wasn't about you know instruction because you're listening to words. It's about here, put your hand here, feel this, and I'll move my hips. See how you're guarding that. That now you're actually experiencing the thing, and then it's backed up with abstraction and lessons and parable and 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 metaphor. Hmm. Um, and I think maybe that's maybe that's just a really good way to learn is to get rid of allegory, to get rid of metaphor, and really touch it's, the thing
0: it's useful as reinforcement mm-hmm. maybe but it's not the lesson right it's not the so. thing itself
3: yeah
1: well Oh, we kind of went in and out yeah so thank you so much for coming here, no man. thank you, oh, you guys been I, awesome
3: like um again my, my poor girlfriend will testify i like talking so it's always mm. I li- and i like the art of podcasting so thank yeah. you very much and uh, like i said uh, you know since we met there's been in, in and out kind of influences from from both of you guys so thanks for having me it's been a pleasure
1: yeah for sure this was it's a re-
3: remarkably different <laughs> conversation than I thought was going to happen. So oh yeah, it, yeah, it yeah, <laughs> and and and, and,
0: it, and it I guess it always yeah. kind of is because you know you bring our preconceptions with us as 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 much as we try to avoid having them, mm.
1: and then <laughs> we have terrible prediction machines. <laughs> yeah, here,
2: so.
3: yeah. Perception exactly. is reality as well. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was once told. So
2: <laughs>
1: that's pretty good. Thank you very much, Giles. No, thanks. It's awesome yeah. having you thank here. Yeah, a pleasure.
3: Thank you very much. Absolutely.